friends, and welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm, of course, your host, Kayla, and I do have a guest with me today, but before I get to that, um, I'll do my little plugs. If you like the show, you can find me on Instagram and everywhere else at Screen Vomit, one word on all the stuff. I have gorgeous new merch available. The links for that is in the show notes and in my bios on everything. We also have a Patreon you can subscribe to at patreon.com slash screen vomit. All right, and getting to my guest today. My guest is an actor, filmmaker, comedian, host of the podcast American Arts and Culture Review, one of my favorite movie podcasts, and also has a new movie out called Civil Dead, so keep your eyes out for that. It's Clay Tatum. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Hi, I'm here with Clay Tatum. What's up? <laughs> yeah, how's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. I love being here. Hell yeah. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This young man has a new film out, so I guess we have to talk about it. You don't uh, have to, but it's, you know, yeah. I mean, it is in the contracts <laughs> that we signed over that my lawyer looked over. Yeah, and I can't afford to be sued at this point in time, so right. we've got to talk about Civil Dead. You've just done several fests with it florida most recently right yeah i just got back from florida and so Mm -hmm. did wit who uh caught covid there and surprisingly i did not catch covid there yeah even though you're with wit the whole time yeah i was with him every second of Mm -hmm. every day and we did a lot of sketchy things like we went to an amusement park and Mm -hmm. all that and there's times where i'm like disney world no we did universal studios we had a friend Mm -hmm. that got us because you're protesting disney um of course and um, the I'm more politically aligned with Universal. Um, yeah. And I, we, we we did like rides where I was like, I, th- I think we're going to get COVID here. And then mm-hmm. I, didn't, I did not get the stink. You did rides with like groups of people where you're just face to face breathing on each other. Yeah. And it's also just like the lines. So they were like, what's the smallest room we could put the most people in? <laughs> and there was a King yeah. Kong ride. Uh-huh. Um, that was really tested. I was like, I'm getting. I don't know if I'm getting. If I'm not getting COVID in here, I'm getting something else. Yeah. And, um, and you never I know what he'll catch in Florida. And Wit got it, which reminds me of a time where me and Wit went to Vegas, and we were gambling all night, mm-hmm. and came back, and he got COVID, and I didn't. And I don't know what's going on with me and him. Oh, it's you know what? It's probably because he's not vaccinated. Well, that too. I mean. <laughs> I keep on trying to get him vaccinated, and he just, like, <laughs> he really kicks my ass. And it actually yeah. really hurts when he does that. Famously an anti-vaxxer, and, mm-hmm. you know, you can't talk any sense into those people. Right, I mean. Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> turn off the Fox News for 10 seconds, man. I'm trying to work with you here. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible with that guy. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Yeah, so this is your first feature, right? I've, I've obviously, you know, but I've watched all your shorts. I loved your shorts. I've oh, watched you. now your feature. I love your feature. Well, they're actually, you know what? There's one short I can't get my hands on. Oh, what's that? Called A Place No One Knows. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, so that was a that was a funnier die funded thing. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know Funnier if, die famously died. Yeah. 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 Oh, big time. <laughs> and they They, they won't were, give it back. No, no. They did a, they did something with Samsung Milk, which is like this is so this is what this is how I made money for like two or three years with okay. dumb little dumb stuff like this. Uh-huh. So, Funnier Diet did a thing with Samsung Milk, which was an app inside of a Samsung phone where you can only watch it on a Samsung phone, which no one I knew had. <laughs> 
And we made a thing called <laughs> LA Pizza. We made a thing called uh-huh. Wet Makers. And then we made another mm. thing called Place No One Knows, which was like a it was like a spoof on Place Beyond the Pines. But we it wasn't really a spoof. I don't know what it was. Anywho. Yeah. So they gave us a lot of money to make that. They gave yeah. us more money to make that than what we made The Civil Dead with. Whoa. And we made it. And it was fine. It was good. And then it just like died in the app because the app went under instantly. <laughs> And, you know, I probably have it on a hard drive somewhere, but Mm -hmm. besides that, oh, it was on Amazon Prime. But it's not anymore. But it's not anymore. So I don't Mm -hmm. know. I don't know where the sucker is. I mean, it's in my bedroom somewhere or in my (laughs) office. So you hold the keys and you have to release it. Well, I don't even know if I hold the keys. Maybe it's a hard drive that I gave to someone else that needed it. I don't, I honestly do not know where the stinker (laughs) is. And also, I'm not, I'm not a huge. Let it go. I'm not. I'm not like um release the tapes. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's also I don't think it's bad at all and uh-huh. um yeah, I just I I just don't know where it is. Mhm. But so. you know, it was nice making it was my nice making a living off of those um <laughs> scammy little startups. Um, off of a milk app on a Samsung phone. Yeah, if you want to make mm-hmm. $15,000 a year. Uh, <laughs> I would Do one say. short film for an app. Yeah. Well, also <laughs> that it, we did it wrong. I mean, there was other people that were make, get money to make things, and they're mm-hmm. like, "What if I made a short that all took place in one location, and I get to keep the entire budget?" Um, what we did was like we kept we spent almost everything they gave us to make yeah. our stuff. You maximalized. Yeah, and yeah. it was it's so stupid. I if I can go back, <laughs> I would not have done that. So you've learned a lesson there. Yeah, just <laughs> really it was a damn shame, but you know, it was fun. But yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to see the light of day again um unless I dust off a hard drive and I find a And what I'm thinking is you got to dust off the hard drive. I know, I know. <laughs> So you've learned your lesson with um, being given tons of money for a short and blowing it all. Uh, what lesson did you learn doing your feature? Um, I don't know. It's like the feature just came and went so fast. It was like I had an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some guy randomly called me, offered me like $30,000 to make a movie. Okay, goals. Because he, <laughs> he just saw a short I made, and he's like an old pal and he wanted to get Wait, which short the, did he see that that convinced him to give you 30k? He saw the short home, which I I guarantee oh, okay. he didn't finish. <laughs> he just saw that it, it just looked like This it is the looked, one with um wit's bare cheeks in it. Yeah. True? That yeah. one. So, he saw that one and he was like, "Hey, how much he he he, he saw like, that ass and he said, "I got to give that guy money." <laughs> he he goes, "How much did that cost I you?" I need more of this. <laughs> And I was like, that that short cost me like a thousand dollars to make. Uh-huh. And he goes, How? And I go, Well, it's just cheap. You have like you pay your crew, but and you mm-hmm. only shoot for two days, and it's just like you find a camera somewhere, and yeah. it's fine. And he was like, Well, if I give you thirty thousand dollars, can you make a feature? Which is not that much money, but I was like, Yeah, I, I guarantee I You're can. You're resourceful make a feature. enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was instantly greenlit after he's heard me say yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like two months later, I got with Wit. We wrote a script of this idea I had, and then two months after that, we shot it. And then um, later, we just edited it for an entire year. And it's just like it just went so fast. So I don't know if I learned anything. <laughs> it just it's a blur to me. Um, yeah. But the only thing that I really did learn is that 
I, we try to cram the most stuff that we can film in a day as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that hurts your movie. You um, so. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. but it, but it's also like we, at that point too, we didn't have a choice. It's just like, we only have this much money and we can only do it if we get this amount of pages in, in a day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the next movie I make, I would love to shoot half as fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that I've really you learned. Just, um, the, next mo- the lesson you learned is the next movie you want to start with more money. <laughs> yeah, that's a goal that I have. I'm like, hmm, why didn't I think of this earlier? And so... <laughs> Main takeaway. <laughs> yeah, I would like more money and um, more time. And that mm-hmm. would be really good. Yeah, and also I learned that the movie is really made with the pickups. Because that mm-hmm. really, I mean, that really helps. Because if you make a movie, just the principal shooting, it's just a mess. And you can fix all those messes by just having pickup shoots. And we had mm-hmm. like four or five pickup days of just making this movie uh, better. And it had to yeah. make sense. Hell yeah. Well, it turned out sick. And it's Thank making you so waves. Much. You got like a audience award or something at Slamdance, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's just because um, we have a podcast that has a lot of fans. So I, we really gamed the system there, didn't we? <laughs> you won because a lot of people like your work? Oh, I guess so. I don't yeah. know. We were like, it's just like, here's the thing. Wit is like a comedian that's on H- that has an HBO special, and mm-hmm. he told everyone to go see it. So yeah. I'm not going to completely say that the audience award is completely earned, but I love having it. <laughs> it's, really, it's really nice to have. No, I think it was great. I think the two best movies won. You got Hannah Haha with the, the regular award. Yeah, and that's then great. And with love the that. audience award. They were both the two best. I Thank think. you so much. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's just my too. opinion. Yeah, I really like <laughs> Tana. Huh? Yeah, I had Good those guys, guys. On, uh, recently too on the pod. That's what's up. Yeah, I like them. that's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> what movie did they do? Hard to be a god. Oh, have you heard of this? Yeah, the black and white. The uh, yeah, and what an interesting movie to pick. And I pick one of the most popular movies of the last ten years. No. <laughs> I did okay, think I about that though. Hmm. I did think about that though because it's like you gave me a list. And I was like, yeah. I'll just pick from the list. And I'm like, I don't even know what movie I would have picked anyways. And then I just picked Inherent Vice because it's like a movie that I've like, it's the only movie that I kind of return to uh, a mm-hmm. lot. And But then I thought there's another movie called Magical Girl that I wish I would have picked. But maybe that's for, that's for next time. Because it's yeah. a movie that not that many people have heard of. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. And it pisses me off that not that many people talk about it. And, I haven't um, seen it. I think I heard it about is. it from Alex, maybe. Actually. Yeah, me and Alex came over one day, and he was yeah. like, "Hey, just randomly pick a movie and t- mm-hmm. for us to watch." And I picked that one, and um, I don't know why I picked it, but it turned out to be really good, and yeah. um, he really liked it. Yeah. So next time we do that. <laughs> yeah, that's for next time. What's that's the rule? Wait, time. did you? What? Is there a rule? Is there like a ten-year rule for this mm-hmm. podcast? Yeah, ten years. That's smart. That's okay. my rule. I think it came out in 2014. Oh, so we got time. <laughs> so I'll make sure to have you back on before it has reached its 10-year mark. Good. Okay, great. <laughs> I'll have my yeah. lawyers draft that up just to make sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that I know what I'm legally supposed to address in the next episode as well. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciate that. Of course. <laughs> it really helps me stay on track, you know? Mm-hmm. So what is your experience with watching movies? Do you watch a lot of movies? or I mean, I know you have a movie podcast, but you don't always watch those either. <laughs> no, I don't. I really, I honestly, I do not watch many movies at all. Yeah, really? And yeah, I, 
I honestly see about like two movies a month. Yeah, and Dude, that's it's... like a normal person amount of movies. I feel like. Yeah, but I make the damn. I make these damn <laughs> things. Like I shouldn't be. I should be watching more. It's like it's a quality that I'm like. Are you really... shy about your um, small size of movies that you watch per month? Yeah, I really yeah. am, but I'm trying to be um, open about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, I appreciate your vulnerability. Yeah, it's a quality of that I have that I don't really enjoy that I that I have that quality. And so um, my wife's out of town for the next two days, and so I'm, I think I'm going to cram in as many of these damn things that I can. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> gonna have a little cram sesh. Hell yeah. Yeah. And so, what gets you to watch a movie? Do you have a type? Um, no, I mean. I'm, Maybe there's not an answer to that, but I don't know. It's like if I hear someone talk about a movie on a podcast, and it there's something about it that I don't know. I I re, I really like recommendations. Like if people know that my taste, and if they recommend a movie, that makes me go out and see it. Mm-hmm. What else? I don't know. I mean, I guess really nothing because I'm not seeing these damn things. <laughs> Um, well, that's why it's curious, like that you only choose to watch two movies per month. Oh, you know what really gets me too mm-hmm. is um, screenshots uh, that people post on um, mm, okay. Twitter or, or you see Instagram. A cool pick. You I go, see I gotta a cool watch pick, the full and I go, thing. "Yeah, I gotta watch. I gotta watch this sucker." And that's gotta how see more of this pick. Yeah, that's how I yeah. see like American Friend or like like any classic beautiful Lee shot movies. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I was going over my letterbox today to see what I've been watching and it's just a bunch of trash. It's just <laughs> um and what I mean by that is like I it's like I've only seen like the movies that like everyone's talking about now. Mm. Um mm-hmm. and so it's like I don't know. Just so you can keep up with the zeitgeist. I'm trying to. So I saw mm-hmm. that everything everywhere movie and then I um, I saw I saw something. I saw X. So I'm mm-hmm. keeping up, but yeah. um, those are part of the two movies. Just I barely see a month. keeping your head above water. Yeah. <laughs> and so okay, well, so you picked the movie for today, which was, as you mentioned, the 2014 film Inherent Vice, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Yeah. What drew you to this film? You said you returned to it. Yeah, this is a classic movie that mm-hmm. I watch. Where the first time I watch it, I had the same experience with um, Inside Lewin Davis. Is I watch it the first time through, like probably in the movie theater, and then I don't really like it that much. Or I, I like it, like it's like just middle of the road, fine. Yeah, it's like what you expect. No from strong a great feelings director. either way. Yeah. No strong feelings either way, but I did enjoy myself. And then later, I like keep on thinking about it, and then I watch it a second time when it comes out on streaming, and I really enjoy it. And then I watch mm-hmm. it a third time, and I enjoy it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes like one of my favorites. But mm-hmm. so you I didn't like, like the movie the first time, and then you keep putting it on, <laughs> because hoping like, you'll feel something. Yeah. So like, it, there's <laughs> there's parts of a movie. I, I'm a guy that I like a good classic camera move or mm-hmm. a good like whatever. And there's a I, there's a camera move in the movie where it's like it's a dolly shot where it's like the, in the third act where um doc is walking with his lawyer i think and it's like they're watching the ship come back in that they talk mm-hmm. about and it's like a classic tracking sh- or dolly shot i don't know i can't <laughs> on set i kept on calling a pickup a insert uh-huh. and an insert a pickup so i don't know i can't i don't yeah i need to learn it's all right the audience doesn't know either <laughs> yeah that's good um, so it's like that shot gets like you say a dolly in... shot they're like there's something fancy about this shot yeah they don't know you know <laughs> there's um so that shot was like seared in my brain and i'm like i gotta mm-hmm. see that shot again i love that shot so i watched the movie yeah. again 
the and whole then, movie just to make it to the one shot. Yeah. It's a, it's a fairly lengthy film. Because you yeah. have to build to it. And it's not a bad movie. <laughs> if it's a bad movie and it has a good shot in it, I'm like, I'll just fast forward. Yeah. But so like I do stuff like that. I like movies that I don't like at first. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I rewatch it, it just tur- it's better. And I think all best best movies are like that. Because also, if there's a movie that I really do like, the first viewing, it like disappears in my head later. It like mm. there's something I, I've I I have like you think you never get that feeling back. Like when you see it's like if you see something funny the second time you see it, it's not funny no more. But maybe the same thing just with a great film. Yeah, it's like the first just, time you see it, you get a butterfly in your stomach, and the more you watch it, you're not getting the butterflies anymore. Yeah, there's some movies that are just like that I really enjoy watching, and then like they just don't stick with me. And then other movies that I don't really like watching it, and then I learn to love it, and then it sticks with me. <laughs> I never like see a movie right away and love it right away, and then it sticks with me. It, it happens, but it's it's more rare, it's rare. than it should mm-hmm. be. What's an example of one that that was the case for? Can you think of one? Where I watched it all the way through and then I loved it no matter, like, first you go. You loved it the first go and then it also did stick with you and you still love it. There's a movie called Another Year by Mike Lee that <laughs> I watched. And it's, like, one of his more recent ones. And I watched it and then the ending happened and I loved the ending. And I was like, oh, this is great. And so I just rewatched it right then and there. And I never do- I've never done that with a movie before. Hell Yeah. I think I've done that with Yee Yee. Remember the movie Yee Yee? I never watched it, but I know about it. That's another one where I'm like, I like that so much. I might give it another spin. Why not? Oh, yeah. And so I mm-hmm. press the restart button. So Another Year is a, an example of a movie that I I loved. And also like another movie like Broadcast News, mm-hmm. um, any like Albert Brooks movie I loved. And unfortunately, some Woody Allen movies. And Damn. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm a real sicko. <laughs> I've never seen any Woody Allen movie, so oh, I don't really? know is if that a- makes me more canceled or less canceled in the film community. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think less. I mean, like they're not. I don't think if you ever get interested in it. I mean, like there's so. It like movies. seems like a bad time to get interested in it <laughs> now. Yeah, I mean, also like you know how you had to like separate the art from the artist. sometimes he sometimes he's making movies that it's just Mm -hmm. there's no separate like manhattan you can't really separate um but i've never seen it so i don't know yeah i mean (laughs) if the the subject matter kind of matches what he's okay for yeah um and so yeah it's hard but he is unfortunately a really good filmmaker that had Mm -hmm. that's really good He's just a he's a good filmmaker, um, but yeah. he's a, he's just a little fucking creep, and he's a pest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't want to see any of, any of his movies, like I, I can't blame you. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm on the good side of history now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, film heads, I mean, film heads seem to um, react when they they hear I've never seen a Woody Allen movie. Until recently, I'd never seen a David Lynch movie either. But I've started oh, that mean, journey. Who, I know. Who, honestly, who cares? I, I know. Uh, they're a bunch of bozos. Get over it. Who cares? <laughs> Literally, I, I, I'm saying that because I don't even watch movies. Like, who fucking cares? I mean, I think with like David Lynch, you might get something out of it if you mm-hmm. do. If you do enjoy, I don't know, weirdo stuff. Weirdo but shit. I mean, that's mm-hmm. obvious. I mean, you'll yeah. get to it when you get to it. It's fine. I've seen two recently. Which ones have you seen? <laughs> I watched uh, Mulholland Drive was uh-huh. one, and the other. Oh fuck! I just watched it literally last weekend. 
Inland Empire. Oh, you it saw was that? Empire. Yeah. Where did I you see that? I saw that in the theater. It was playing in a theater near me. So. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I went and um, saw it. I don't. I don't think I've seen that one. I saw that when it came out, and I have no memory of it now. I, I remember. <laughs> I remember the rabbits TV yeah. show, and mm-hmm. um, uh, did you did you enjoy those films? I loved Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. The other one, I think there were good things about it. There were parts I enjoyed uh, as a whole. I'm not sure i just think it was i think it was too long there was like too much of it yeah there's Um, a lot i mean i think they could cut a whole hour out of it and probably make a pretty good film that's a lot of dv tape that they ran through Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't i honestly don't remember it and i kind of do i i I, a lot of people have been talking about it now because it's been doing that theatrical run Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to see it, but it's... and it was Easter, so the whole bunny thing. Oh, is that why they're doing that? I don't know, but I did see the clip from the bunny parts online a lot in the last couple of days, and I'm I like, bet it's you that's that I exactly just saw why this movie. they did that. I guarantee <laughs> you that's exactly why they did that. Which is that's fine, probably so. Uh, but, but that's cool that that's getting uh, another. I I hate that when movies are not available online. That's my one yeah, thing. It's you, fucked up. That's coming from a bozo We're who doesn't spoiled see. Now. <laughs> I mean, that's coming from a real dumb dummy that doesn't see these things. But sometimes you want to watch shortcuts, and you're like, I, "How can I, I see know. this movie?" I just bought shortcuts on DVD actually when I was in LA. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, but yeah, you can't. It's nowhere. It's like, what the yeah. hell? You gotta buy the DVD. Now the my one DVD time I want to see, growing. I don't. I don't the one shit. time I want to see a movie, you guys really. <laughs> screwed it up and it's so i went back online. onto youtube and i watched i watched golfing watch? i watched golfing videos for some reason i don't even i don't even golf but you'd rather watch that than film yeah i've seen more golfing videos <laughs> than i've seen of janice films hell yeah and it's like upsetting because i don't golf i have no interest in it it's just there's something about it but that, one day your talent will be needed in the golf community and you'll be there to shine i guarantee you it will not but i'll be there <laughs> There will be so. some golf-related emergency, and you'll be called on, and you'll be like, "I'm here, I'm your guy." <laughs> I, I <laughs> know, I know the jargon for some reason. <laughs> I know what a bump, t- a bump and run is. Um, Let me translate these guys for you, normal people. <laughs> I also, I talked to Alex recently about my blind spots in movies uh-huh. too. Like, I've never seen Raging Bull. I've never seen Psycho, Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen Barry Lyndon, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm a Kubrick man. Yeah, um, I've seen some of these. Uh, Alex roasted me because I didn't like Barry Lyndon, but I don't know. I did watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have I have a I have a sickness where I don't really like movies that take place earlier than 1950, mm-hmm. and I don't know why that is. I just like my yeah, brain I think that's doesn't fair. enjoy that. I don't know. Why. They, they don't have TVs. I guess so. I'm a TV nut. There you go. What are they doing all day? They got no TV. <laughs> They're not online. No phones. Yeah. So. These people are boring. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't. So. They're doing riding horses. <laughs> I know. So that when I like went through all of his films, I, I go, I think I'm going to skip this one. And I, yeah. and I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, I've only more recently started diving into like older films like that, too, I think. But I started with weird yeah, shit. Yeah, I, I just assume that you've seen everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I've, mean, I've seen older weird shit. <laughs> the amount of short films that you see is yeah, you got. I a do problem. watch a lot of shorts. <laughs> no well, one I've been doing. <laughs> no, no one watches them. No one enjoys them. <laughs> just me. I love them. Can't get enough of this stuff. <laughs> That's great. I, I I'm really watching shorts appreciate all day. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've been doing a short film challenge for two years where I watch a sh- short every day, but I usually end up watching more than one. Where do you, so where do you go? Where's, what's like the, what's, where do, where do you find these things? I mean, it's like anything where once you start finding them, you keep finding more, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, when you find a cool comedian, you go to their show, now you found a couple more and you keep going, you know? Yeah. Um, so you kind of, you find some, you start finding more, but um, I'll say it started for me with when I did Relaxer for the podcast. Have you seen Relaxer with Andre? Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing uh, research for that film and a lot of the people who worked on that film also had short films, including Andre Highland. And um, I loved him. I don't know. So I just kept going from there. I mean, that's a great place to start. Yeah. Andre's the one who told me about your shorts, actually. (laughs) Oh, that's what's up. That's really nice of him. (laughs) He also Um, told me about Squirrel and got me into Alex's films. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's a great place to start because his shorts are like actually actually short and they're very good mm-hmm. and so well his newer ones are um, i mean he has like old shorts he's been making shorts since like 1999 oh yeah has, like, i guess i don't really see those as shorts like when i when mm-hmm. i think of shorts i think of like a more something that got into sundance and if it didn't then it doesn't count something that didn't get yeah exactly <laughs> that, those are my criteria um, <laughs> and uh-huh. i go did this get into uh sundance they go no and i go well that's not a short no um Put this on YouTube. This is a YouTube video. <laughs> That's a YouTube video. I watch that with my golf videos. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, he has like he has mm-hmm. a whole. I went to a, a thrift store one day and in Hollywood, and one of his DVDs was in the um, DVD section. Really? <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I was like, oh, this is funny. I I like mm-hmm. sent him a picture of it. The Blonde Chili DVDs. Yeah, and then yeah. I just watched it, and he had like so much stuff on there. <laughs> yeah. And he has a ton of them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where my like shorts, uh, I don't know, interest started, I guess. But then, you know, you just find more stuff. I watch stuff on No Budge or... Classic. I'll just be looking up people's like IMDb's <laughs> and yeah. just like adding everything they've done to my watch list. I don't know. If I find somebody cool in something, yeah, I'll just go through what have they been in that's and uh, add it to my list. And then you can spread out that way. Do you um, have Do you have a uh, in your head the best short you've ever seen? Hmm, I would say the best short I've ever seen. I have some favorites. I have like a list of favorites. I don't know if I have a best short I've ever seen. I think Earache is like a perfect short. Alex's short. I was supposed to edit that, and I started editing it, and I gave up on it, and I I said, you got to give this to someone else. And it's not because because I didn't like it. It's because I hate hate working, and I hate doing favors. (laughs) And so it turned out great, and I was like, that's not thanks to me. I was looking because I made a uh, I made a list of the best ones that I watched last year. So I was looking to find it real quick. Mm-hmm. License and registration, Jackson Easinga short. I love. Never heard of um, it. Never seen it. But I would like to look into it. Business, Katie Skelton, great short. Um, Crown Prince, uh, Sammy Birch, Alex Mechanic, great short. Assholes by Johnny Look, love that short. Slapper by Lucy Schroeder, love that. Cool dad, Alex's thing. <laughs> you should really, you should start get, you should start giving out awards. Is what I. 
I mean, there's no one really else out there that is, can do. I, I I think no budge, and of course, like Vimeo does it. But I think we just need one more outlet. Yeah, one more, just a little freak with no stakes, um, no stake in the game. But I will no no no. I guarantee, if you give someone an award, they they will it will be a prized possession. You think so? Because no one watches these shorts except for. You and four Except other people, and you actually really do enjoy them, and you see like I the do. potential in them, and so yeah. I think people would enjoy a um, a award ceremony that you. People put on. seem to be really happy if I just tag them on Instagram. <laughs> no, because it because you work so hard on these dumb little things, <laughs> and yeah. no one watches them because not ever because people that's not what people do. That's just mm-hmm. we're not on the we're not put on earth to watch shorts. <laughs> and so anytime people show any enjoyment, um, mm-hmm. it's like very gratifying. And, and it's also, and it's also does a lot of harm because you're, because no one should be making shorts. You shouldn't be, <laughs> shouldn't be doing this. You think end shorts? <laughs> I say end shorts. Everyone needs to make a feature. Um, you're anti-shorts. Now that you I, made one feature. <laughs> yeah, I made one feature because someone called me and offered me money. It's like not that easy. <laughs> I'm like a, I'm basically a spoiled brat when it comes to a feature. Now your features from here on out, you're you're over shorts. Shorts yeah, guys, which, losers. Yeah, I'll, I'll be making a short within a month. I it's like make it. a feature already, dumbass. <laughs> and then two months, I guarantee I'm on. A, I'm gonna be on a set making a short, and I'm just, I go. You I just re- did. I really it's come out. I really uh. hope screen vomit says something about this. I will. You can think if you're out there making a short and you're like, who's this for? Nobody's going to watch this. And you can go, scream vomit. Kayla's going to watch this. That's what's up. Because <laughs> I will be. Um, guaranteed. <laughs> All right. 40 minutes into recording. Should we talk about this? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. And this movie's really long. It's really confusing. Um, <laughs> We're going to be here all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I did want to ask you also, like, if you're a big PTA head, big Paul Thomas Anderson head, what's your relationship with his films? Um, I came, I kind of came into it. have you seen them? I've seen them all. And I think mm-hmm. I came into it kind of late. I have, I, once I moved to LA, like, I've already seen Punch Drunk Love in high mm-hmm. school and I really enjoyed it, but I never, like, care to look up like the director and see if he had other films i just kind of enjoyed it for what it was my brother worked at a a video store and so he would like bring movies and so the two movies that he brought home that was like very impactful to me was punch drunk love and um pink flamingo Mm. so i kind of i watched that and then later i saw all of his other stuff and they're really good i mean he's just like you know quentin tarantino there's a certain like there's a there's a certain level of quality that you can expect from him that's fun and um, mm-hmm. great, and so it's just like cool to see his movies. Yeah, um, I, I'm not like a fanatic or anything about him. I just like you know he makes really good movies and they're mm-hmm. very fun to watch. Some I really respond to like Inherent Vice, and some I don't really respond to that well like uh, Phantom Thread, mm-hmm. even though I recognize that they're all like really good. And and I'm I'm having a I'm thinking that I watched Licorice licorice pizza too and i left the screening going yeah it's pretty that's you know it's great it's a fine mm-hmm. movie making me think maybe this is another one of those movies that i might really enjoy off On of a my, second watch yeah i might watch that movie again even though i shouldn't because there's like four thousand movies i need to see <laughs> i can't be watching yeah. fucking broadcast <laughs> news every day i need to move on i need to 
but okay. yeah, expand your horizons. Yeah, but so I'm not like I'm a I'm I I really like his movies, but but because you're like not a every, freak about it. Everyone you loves just, his movies. It's yeah. like I mean I'm not. There's nothing. If it's weird out, you're here. gonna go see it. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone saying they like David Lynch at this point. Like who cares? <laughs> you're not a PTA pervert. You just are kind of into it. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> you just like to watch. Oh, imagine! Oh, I really like Woody Allen movies, and I th- imagine being—I'm a Woody Allen pervert. <laughs> yeah, um, don't say that again. <laughs> but I will be clipping that. Um, and oh, for sure, I don't care. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, I'll run it by my lawyer too. So okay, cool. Yeah, just for clearance, <laughs> so you can't sue me on that. Right. Um, I have verbal permission. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <laughs> This film, much like uh, I think most of his films, has a crazy cast. I mean, every celeb's in here. Joaquin Phoenix, Owen Wilson, Reese Witherspoon, I don't know, etc. Josh Brolin, Maya Rudolph, it goes on. Martin Short, Jenna Malone. Yeah, Martin Short was a, that's a great, I mean, it's a great cast. I mean, it's like, it's (laughs) weird seeing these people where you're like, wait, Martin Short is in this? When did this happen? (laughs) Every time we turn the corner is another celeb. Yeah. Also, the score for this film, done by... Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead, mm-hmm. famously. And this is a very random credit, but I think it's random. The colorist for this film, Costas Theodosiu, also did color for Hardcore Henry, which is the film I did with Bud on the podcast. <laughs> oh, really? Is that the GoPro so, movie? Where they? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like a Russian indie film, so it's like so random that they share a colorist. <laughs> That's great. All right. And critic scores for this film, we have 73% on Rotten Tomatoes and 81 from Google users. So that's like a bit pretty good C, a pretty good C movie, B minus. I think I think C movies are I think C movies are the best movies now. Yeah. Sometimes these 10 out of 10 movies just are they're fine, but <laughs> give me a C movie. You don't Those... recommend 10 out of 10 movies. That's actually a non-recommend for you. 10, 10 out of 10 movies are movies that you like and then you leave the theater and you never think about it ever again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but these C movies really stick with you. Or, yeah. some, or sometimes they're they growers, don't. not showers. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh-huh. That's oh, my yeah. that's my new that's my new hot take that I'm dishing out everywhere I go. <laughs> so when people go back to listen to your podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll know what the real truth is. That's right. <laughs> when you rate every movie ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, getting into this film. All right. When, okay. When, when 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 was the first time that you saw this movie? Uh, last week. <laughs> okay. Cool. So this is like. Yeah. You, Okay. I right. had not seen this until you selected it and that's made me great. do it. <laughs> I really enjoy that that's the case. I actually owned it on DVD, though. I randomly, um, there's like a used or like a resell DVD place near my house that has like mm-hmm. resell video games and stuff, too. And um, they had like a buy three, get six free thing going on with DVDs. What is going on with the wacko <laughs> store? I don't know, man, but I got nine DVDs for like six bucks. <laughs> yeah. And it rocked. Buy anyway, seven, get one. nine. Come on yeah. in. <laughs> I think they just have so many DVDs and they're like, people are not buying this shit. We gotta unload this. Yeah. Because um, it's mostly crap. But anyway, so I randomly just owned this on DVD already. <laughs> Um, and been meaning to watch it. Uh, so yeah, this was my first view. I actually watched it twice now. I watched it again yesterday. Wow. Um, is is that just to get a better grip of what the hell you just saw? Yeah. Well, um, so one of my toxic traits is if a movie's over two hours, I struggle uh, because it just feels so long to me. Yeah. So not only do I struggle, but then I'll pause it a bunch and then I actually make it take 
like 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, me and, me and my wife saw The Worst Person in the World, and mm-hmm. that was like, it, it was hard for us. It mm-hmm. was a struggle. Even though, you like, watched that at home? Um, yeah, because I stole the damn yeah. thing. And, <laughs> and, um, Ooh, cops fuck off. Don't that's listen. That's fine. I, no, no, I, want, I like when people just, you could steal whatever. If, if, yeah. if enough people are talking about it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> if enough people steal, it's no longer a crime. Yeah, it's. I no think way. that's how it goes. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so, which <laughs> whenever my movie comes out online, please steal it. It's like who cares? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so you stole but, it and you struggled. Well, it's just yeah. We just like it wasn't struggled because it was a bad movie or anything. We struggled just because our attention spans have just been poisoned mm-hmm. by YouTube. And going in, you knew it had a longer run yeah. time. And so also, my you, you just know you have that ahead of you. And also, my <laughs> wife didn't like it, and so. <laughs> Really? Did you like yeah. it? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, mm. Whitney um, said she, it was she. I mean, she enjoyed it. She like she recognizes it. It's like one of those classic movies where um, enough people say it's their favorite movie they've ever seen, and you you kind of want to go calm down, and then you watch yeah. it and you want to hate it because of how everyone mm. mm-hmm. has been talking about it. Um, yeah. But she had like she it it was like to her she saw it as like a clear male fantasy type movie which I mm. definitely see it as like you know it takes you know you getting cancer for a girl to come back and like uh, finally see all the qualities about you that are whatever yeah um, um and so she was like an, she was annoyed by it yeah and she also is not a big fan of like big flashy filmmaking where it's mm-hmm. just like you use like these little cute little tricks she said it reminded her of um uh 500 days of summer Mm. i haven't Um, seen that film but i'm familiar with it that type uh, of like style (laughs) and so yeah which so when she said that i'm like i get it but i also yeah i enjoyed it it's it's good i loved the movie but i saw it in theaters too so it's kind of a different experience time passes different in theaters to me if it if the movie was a c i'd be loving it right now but because i'm just a i'm a toxic um contrarian yeah so oh yeah so yeah the first time i watched this film which is what is it like two hours and 40 minutes or something that's a guess i don't know Mm. um yeah i just was uh not into the runtime and then it gets like so boggled it gets really boggled with details and characters and just a lot coming in yeah that uh i struggled with it the first time so I had to, I watched it the second time I was like doing stuff and had it on. So it was less of like a me having to pay like full attention to it. And I, I, it was easier for me that time. <laughs> right. Okay. Now what do you, what grade do you give it? I think this is too early in the podcast. Oh, to do it's this, too but... early. Okay, okay, okay. So let's just like, I'm going to save that for later. <laughs> you got to save that for the end. Okay, okay. Um, but because also I think, um, the discussion has potential to sway. Okay, cool, cool Always cool, cool. Is, is what I always go. I go in with an open mind. Yeah. All right, so this film is based on a book by Thomas Pynchon. Um, so PTA actually adapted the book into the screenplay by typing it up word for word and then chopping it down from there, which seems psycho, but I respect. Wait, he typed the, <laughs> wait, wait, did he just, like, he transcribed the book? Uh-huh, yeah. That's interesting. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm sure he did that so he can say that in an interview, but sure. <laughs> I guess I don't, so I'm not a reader, all right? In 2022, are we reading? Like, nah. No, not no, no. Really. we're watching golf on YouTube. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're busy watching short films and golf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm no reader. I claim no knowledge of Thomas Pinjohn's like legacy or whatever. But just based on like what I've read online, um, because I do go online, <laughs> mm-hmm. it seems like he has quite a big following. Like people really are fans of his work, and he has this like psycho style that I don't know. People really dig, and PTA is like his biggest fan. Um, this is his third novel that he's tried to turn into a film. The only one he's done successfully. Right. I know that uh, Bookheads had a big reaction to this. Oh, those he, sickos? Those sickos. <laughs> so, like, are we listening to them? I don't know. <laughs> are we taking their word? No. <laughs> so, what do they, what do they think? I'm curious because I'm not a book guy either. I know I know about like his books books and whatever and like his style um as as much as i can like gain from a wikipedia article but yeah so just from what i've read his books seem like they're so like over the top and just have like a million things going on they're really like trippy and wild and crazy and bookheads didn't seem to think that this movie was quite over the top enough like it didn't go that crazy where his books are so psycho like it felt Um, like the movie made sense and and they they got this is making sense and i'm pissed off (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) i mean because for as much as i struggled with uh how many characters and how many details in every character there is in this film um and each of them having a psychotic name too um i guess there are like dozens more in the book version so there's like even way more in that and it's even harder to follow so i don't know but Anyway, this was based on that book. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a rumor that the author made a cameo somewhere in the film, but nobody will say where. Yeah, he's like a classic weirdo where he hasn't, there's like no photos of him. He's kind of like mm-hmm. Terrence Malick, even though Terrence Malick does have that one photo of him. He hasn't um, been photographed since the 1950s, is what I read. I mean, until he somewhere appeared in this film. <laughs> that's great. I mean, th- all that is fun. The stuff like that, to me, is really fun mm-hmm. to know, and it's yeah. like part of the uh, experience, and... I, I do, it, even though I would like to make fun of that, stuff mm-hmm. like that, I do enjoy. You respect it. That type of, yeah. <laughs> that type go, of weirdo. That's interesting. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like, never having a picture of yourself for, like, your entire life, basically. That just I mean, seems wild. Yeah, I guess, like, what he mainly, I guess what he's really saying is there's no press photos of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm curious. Yeah, it's like, it's like st- conversations like this make me, like, maybe... Maybe I'll sit down and like crack one of his books because I have like most I have a lot of his books out here and I don't mm. know I don't know I have like Gravity's Rainbow I have you own his books <laughs> I own his books I own like mm-hmm. I own like a lot of Philip Roth I own a lot so of so you're a bookhead and I will tell you what I'll tell you <laughs> you've been a closet bookhead no, no, this whole I'll time. I'll tell you one little fun little <laughs> secret about me I haven't read a single one of these stickers <laughs> and I don't I don't I love buying books and I yeah. love. <laughs> And I sit down and I read the first chapter and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I know. <laughs> this is painful. This like hurts me. It physically it hurts sucks. me to read this. Were you ever a reader? Like were no, you a reader in high reader. school or anything? No. No. Mm. I was a huge reader in school. Like I would read like multiple books per day. I was like obsessed with the stuff. And somewhere along the line, I don't know, I lost some brain cells in there somewhere and can't do it anymore. At least you I had that experience it. once. I mean I okay, so what the one experience I've had with reading a book was you've read the, one book. I've read one book. Well, uh-huh. I've read I've read Old Man in the Sea. 
um, for and I didn't hold that knowledge in my head for mm-hmm. high school. That's like a one book I got. Away I never with. read any book that was assigned to me in class, even though I was reading four or five books per day. I, I had the exact <laughs> I same could experience. Not read anything that was assigned to me. <laughs> I had the exact same experience, but while you were reading other books outside of that, I wasn't reading mm-hmm. a damn thing. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. just never reading. Um, but yeah. I heard Charlie Ka- Kaufman was like adapting a book, and I'm like. All right, I'm curious because I feel like if he likes this book so much, I would mm. like to read it too. And it just so happened the book was like really short. So something happened to where I finished the damn thing and I really mm. enjoyed the experience. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to um, I'm gonna do this again. And I, I, I've started it many times. And You haven't done a book to completion. No, I think the one that I've, tri- I've got the closest to c- completing was my year of rest and relaxation i think Mm. i got like two-thirds of the way through and i just stopped i don't know why there's nothing about the book (laughs) that made me disinterested i'm like interested in the book and but i have so many more books that i've just like i don't know what i don't know what the hell's wrong with me i don't know why i'm still buying the damn things (laughs) sometimes they're interesting i buy a book every now and again i bought john lurie's autobiography but I don't know. I, I I don't really I don't read anything. But you know what's interesting is the I think the same effects that you can have from reading a lot of books you can also get from watching a lot of movies. Like when I used to read a lot, like suddenly you find yourself like using bigger words and you're like, where, where did that word come I, out I, of my I mouth? I cannot do that. that you can't relate that, because you didn't no, no. read. That's a, no, no, no. I have the temptation to say big words a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Yeah. And it does Chicken. nothing but it does nothing but backfire on me. <laughs> they go, what did you just say? And how did you use it? I go, I don't know. I'm just trying to branch out here. Then you get shy and you don't commit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's going to flop. You have to commit. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm, I'm gun shy now. Oh, okay. When I find a new interesting big word that I want to break out. <laughs> you say, no, no, no. I'll stay dummy. Okay. Didn't we learn last time you did this? <laughs> but I think, yeah. So I would have that experience. Like if I'm reading a lot of books, all of a sudden I'm using these big ass words and I'm sounding all smart. Um, but I think if I watch a lot of challenging films, the same thing happens to me. And I find that interesting. I think people sell films short. They act like um, watching a lot of TV like rots your brain, but I think yeah. it can have the opposite effect, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had effect of like reading something and being like being entertained in a way where I'm like, I can't replicate this feeling anywhere mm-hmm. else. Not even like audio form. It's like such a personal experience, and it's mm-hmm. like something that I really admire. But like, I'm just like, I'm my brain is just poison with yeah <laughs> i don't know what it is i I'll really read a couple wish lines go on instagram <laughs> i really wish the internet would go out for just a day please i would yeah. be so much smarter and with those 12 mm. hours not me i can't handle it <laughs> so this film is set in the year 1970 in the fictional town of gordita beach california um which is modeled after manhattan beach in uh, South Bay area of L.A., Los mm-hmm. Angeles County, where the author lived from 1969 to 1970. So, And I feel like the movie did replicate pretty well of like... That era. Yeah, it just like mm-hmm. it felt like, you know, like because when you go to... I, I've gone to the area where they filmed the where his house is. Mm-hmm. And if you look, there's a shot where it goes like straight down the alley to the water and you can see mm-hmm. his place the left and the right. 
it looks just like that still. And then you look uh, just an inch to your left, and it just there's a condo, like a brand new condo, mm-hmm. and like a zoomies so it's or something. Perfectly framed to only get the retro shit in there. Yeah. Or the new stuff was edited out. We'll never know. <laughs> oh yeah, there is like there's a place like in downtown where when he's walking to the police station and he gets bumped into the police and he falls on the ground, it pans mm-hmm. over. Um, and then comes back, and I'm like, I know where that is, but if you pan to the right, that's not what you see. And it turns out it was all um, CGI. Wow. You you watch a movie, and you don't know that most movies you see now are basically just Pixar movies, and you just don't know. I think that rips. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they call movie magic. Exactly. That's where <laughs> it comes from. Uh, I have respect for movie magicians. Mm-hmm. MPTA loves a 70s flick, too. Yeah. What is this, like a... Third, well, now he has three or four of them uh, in his bag. Obsessed yeah, with this stuff. And it, I, lo- I think I looked it up one time, and it, it, he was like a little kid in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So I saw some review on this movie that was like, I'm old, and my parents were around this age in the 70s, and they're dead, so who's this movie for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everyone who was this age in the 70s is dead, so... Yeah, it's just for people who uh, are 70s perverts. <laughs> I feel like it's like me making a movie about the 90s. Like, technically, mm-hmm. I did live in the 90s, but mm-hmm. I have no real memory of it, of, like, what was really going on. But we, we collect a little bit of the culture. I guess so. I, I guess I did go to every Nirvana show as a kid, <laughs> and, uh, and I did vote for Bob Dole, so, as a kid. <laughs> as a kid, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, did, you were one of those um, fake votes that they warned you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was me. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm here for Bob Dole, ma'am. <laughs> she goes, step right up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is also narrated by rocker Joanna Newsom, but this is her feature debut. She'd never oh, been in really? a film before. Yeah. She's incredible in this movie. She rocks, and I think her whole look just like fits the film. And I love her voice, her speaking voice. It's, it has interesting character to it. Yeah. I guess this was written, the, the narration of it. Uh, or at least the part of the narrator, whatever, was written for her because PTA also was a pervert for her voice. <laughs> yeah, he's a pervert for a lot of girls, and it, Hell yeah. and it's great for movies. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a Woody Allen pervert, I... Yeah. <laughs> you are also a pervert for girls. <laughs> uh <Uh-oh. laughs> Her narration in the film also was basically verbatim excerpts from the book, too. So and having her do this narration, um, they were able to preserve patches of the book. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Joanna Newsom also famously married to Andy Samberg, um, who has a supporting role in your film. <laughs> that's right. That's true. He, so. he, doesn't, he doesn't know that yet, but that's true. <laughs> do you think he doesn't know? No, he doesn't know. I guarantee. I guarantee he doesn't know, and I guarantee he probably will never know. You never know. Yeah, it could have made true. its way. <laughs> It'll be worth it. If it did, I don't know about it. So let's talk about Joaquin's character. He's like a PI, big ass stoner. He's got big ass sideburns. I guess the way he looks was inspired by a pic of Neil Young from 1970. This all checks um, out, yeah. He does a lot of smoking. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm i a big fan of seeing someone smoke a cig in a movie. I don't know why that is. Yeah? I'm a fan, <laughs> yeah. It's very cinematic. There's a lot of like um, slow motion smoke blowing in a billowy way where it's like translating on film in this. Right. Like when you see people who are obsessed with vaping. 
and they do lots of clouds. God, I have a photo on my Instagram. I mean, if anyone's interested, I went to San Francisco <laughs> one time, and a guy blew uh, some smoke at the pier so big. I go, you fit that? You fit all that in your body? <laughs> He said, where'd that come out of? Where'd that come from? <laughs> did you replace your blood with smoke? Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah. So I guess the mystery begins when Joaquin's ex-girlfriend comes by his house. Her name is Shasta Faye, famously two sodas, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Shasta Soda and Fago. She has a rich, famous boyfriend who's a real estate mogul named Wolfman. He's married, and his wife also has a boyfriend, and... The two of them are trying to get him committed to a loony bin and take his money, is what we think at first, right? Mm-hmm. So she's coming to him for help? I do, Also, I will, I'm going to step in real quick. Yeah. I do not envy this job that you're about to partake in. <laughs> Breaking this, this down? <laughs> Breaking down this movie. I mean, you could speed it up if you like to. Don't I've feel... skipped some parts in my notes. <laughs> okay, good. Th- there's a lot of details in this movie. we got to do a mo- little setup. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of detail in this movie, but mm-hmm. I, would, I would say... At a certain point, the details It don't, don't matter. It don't yeah. matter. But go on, go on. Don't I think that's kind of what PTA leaned into, too. Yeah. That the details don't matter. He said he doesn't expect you to keep to keep everything together, to piece everything together, um, and that, like, he was inspired by older noirs. Like, The Big Sleep was one that I read. Yeah. That he said that that movie specifically made him realize he couldn't follow any of it and it didn't matter. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I think... The okay, so like I think he did grab big inspiration from like Noors and Thomas Pynchon, and mm-hmm. but I I really do think that a big source of inspiration, and I'm just making this up from my brain, but it do, it mm-hmm. has to be true, is that there has to be huge inspiration from The Big Lebowski, which is also mm-hmm. a take on the L.A. Noir but done through a stoner protagonist fall, that falls into a storyline that becomes really convoluted. Oh, there's a word that I shouldn't be saying. Too big. No, I think you did a good job with that. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) That is meant to confuse him, and and it all builds and it all makes sense in because it deals with a character that is going through a stoner haze, Mm -hmm. and the haze that they're talking about in this movie is like the '70s haze of just like conspiracy and just untrust and. And also this is drug right fueled. Post uh, the Manson stuff, they mention that a lot in this movie. So there's a lot of yeah mistrust from the government towards people. They think everybody's a cult. There's a lot of drugs going on. There's a lot of informants. This was like around red scares and stuff. Like there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on right, at this point in time. Have you seen Big Lebowski? Yes, I have. No, I agree. That's a great um, observation too. And I wouldn't have thought about that on my own, but now that you mention it, yeah. I, I don't know if read. he's ever I don't I think he's probably has mentioned it before but it's like I'm a huge fan of the Big Lebowski so it was mm-hmm. like inescapable watching it. I haven't seen it in a while and it's not a movie I think of that often. So mm-hmm. um yeah, it, it didn't come to me like that but I think that that's a great observation. Yeah. You Thank can't you so deny. much. That's <laughs> well, that's the only good observation I'm going to really <laughs> dish out here no you have opinions <laughs> Thank you. i think at this beginning part when when shasta's in the house and everything i was having a lot of trouble understanding what they were saying i had to turn on the damn subtitles here yep. they're like whispering they're not enunciating this was a full-on subtitle last movie i had friends that saw an early screening of this in a uh theater at a hotel in downtown la 
and the th- the hotel screening did not have great sound mm. and they were like i really enjoyed the movie but i don't know what the hell people were saying <laughs> half the time and i was like well yeah. that theater must suck and then i saw the movie and i go oh no no this is this no, is part of the experience it yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's part of it that you have to turn on the subtitles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Another thing that happens early in the film for him is that he was told to get over his ex, he needs to change his hair, to change his hair, to change his life. Um, And he does a little perm. So he comes out with gorgeous curly hair. And um, famously doing something silly to your hair early in a movie is also... It's a great it's a great device. It it ruins this it ruins the filming of the movie cuz sometimes you have to jump back and forth and you have a different haircut and hair color. But <laughs> he just did a curl which was probably much easier. Maybe you should have done a perm instead. Oh, that would've been way harder. <laughs> cuz I had a I had a we filmed. I think looking at your face with a perm in your hair uh, that would just be the funniest thing I've ever seen. I think I would do that for the next movie, as long as I, it's a perm the whole time, so I don't have to go back and refilm something. But yeah, making yourself feel look really stupid really makes you. It helps with acting because it really just like there's no vanity at that point. You're already a goofy, so you're not worried mm-hmm. about anything else. Yeah, yeah, that rocks, and it. He looked cute with his little perm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the deal with his workplace? Oh, yeah, that little doctor's office. Yeah, it's like a doctor's office that he has like a PI office out of, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it looks cool. It's all gray. I mean, it's like I at this point, I'm not questioning anything. I'm just going in <laughs> with the assumption of like, wouldn't it be weird if we did this? And that's how deep it goes. <laughs> this is why I really enjoy the movie. Because like sometimes I watch a movie and I kind of get lost in the plot. Mm-hmm. But here I know that like confusion is part of the experience. So I kind of let myself go. And I kind of like switch my brain off a little bit. And then I just like, I just, I, I kind of hop on the movie's wavelength. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of just take it for a ride and not worry about like, wait, what name did he say? And what, who is he deal talking to? And why does yeah. it matter? So you stopped caring early on and you were I, just Yeah, I embraced the confusion and I turn off my brain and I start drooling. You were drooling, drooling. yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening is I was trying to follow it. <laughs> that's, that's a rookie mistake. That's my rookie mistake. I fucked up. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you actually have the um, smarter brain because you just turn it off. <laughs> well, no, no, because the first time I watched it, I tried to, mm-hmm. I tried to watch, it. I tried to, you yeah. know, and I go, "This is a real C movie," and I walked out. If I wasn't doing this for the podcast, I wonder if my, if I would have approached it differently. Just because since I'm, since I am doing it for the podcast, I feel like I need to. Um, take note of everything, remember everything, you know? Yeah, I don't think you fully have seen the movie yet, I will say. <laughs> I think one one day it will one somehow more. it will somehow be on, and you'll just be like, oh, my phone died. I guess I'll just watch this again. And then you'll fully get the real experience. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and you'll be like, why am I drooling all over the place? <laughs> yeah, so I, um, yeah, I haven't seen the movie yet, uh, apparently, but um, one day I will. Until then, I'll try and talk about what I think the movie was. Exactly. <laughs> Maya Rudolph also playing the secretary in his little office. Uh, Maya Rudolph famously PTA's life partner. Mm-hmm. And this is their first film collab. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. And in one of the scenes with Maya Rudolph, one of her mom's songs can be heard playing in the background, which yeah, is Yeah, which is a great fun. song. Lay Fleur by Minnie Riperton. Mm-hmm. In the search for this man, Joaquin 
Doc. His name's Doc in the film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not great at keeping up with character names. I'm um, not either. I, that's the one thing that like I can re- watch a movie and then have talk about with my friends, and they would say their name, and I go, well, I don't. I don't, I don't know who you're these, talking about when you do names. names. There's so they... many psycho names in this film, too, yeah. over time. Like, they just get really crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he goes to the old, this ex-convict's old gang turf. And it's just this trailer in, like, the middle of the desert, basically. A de- it's like a, a development zone. Like, a, it's a, it feels like a zone that's about to have a ton of, like, like a suburban sprawl. It's a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things about this. And it and it also has like those like um banners or flags that you would see in a used car dealership mm, all around yeah. it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has like that eerie feel of like familiarity between like um like oh, this is like a development, but it's also a sex house. Classically <laughs> that's what they're called. They're called sex houses. Sex house. <laughs> um, with just two ladies inside. Yes. And a person with a bat. Oh yeah, and a person with a bat. Uh, who whops Joaquin on the head. <laughs> Give him mm-hmm. a little bop. And when he wakes up from the bop, uh, he's next to a dead body on the ground, and that's when we meet Bigfoot. That's Josh Brolin's character. Yeah, a great character, and the most... Con- this this is, like, the movie is very confusing, but his, mm-hmm. like, involvement in the movie is the most confusing, or the most I get confused, because how it evolves, I guess you'll find out. Um, why, What makes you think that? Or why because do you say he, that? Because he has, like, he has a character arc, and he has an, he's like an actor, but he's also a, a policeman. Mm-hmm. And I can never I forgot get, of his actor backstory. <laughs> I can never get his backstory straight or his history or like where he is in his career or like what he's like. And like at the end, he has something happens. And I, yeah. I, that arc of him, I don't follow. I've never been able to follow completely. Um, it's I, like I they guess give us a little bit of backstory, but not enough to where we feel solidly grounded in it. Yeah, um, which is like the whole. This is like just confusing. Yeah. What the, that's exactly <laughs> enough. Like the movie, its job is to give you enough information to lead you to some obvious questions that will never get answered. So you yeah. like your brain starts creating this fog of like confusion, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be mirroring the protagonist's confusion too. So I mean, it's a great device. So you're but, supposed to feel like you're fucked up on drugs and and while you're watching this. And they use the by. And they do that to you by just giving you weird information that leads to By purposely nowhere. making you confused. Which, which is why people <laughs> don't enjoy this movie. Because they just like, uh, this movie is very confusing. And they go, well, yeah, but you're supposed to feel that confusion. So mm-hmm. you, you feel, you're basically watching this movie in 4D. The protagonist <laughs> is confused and so are you. Yeah. But he stays a little sharp throughout it. I mean, he still is like put piecing together clues. He's uh, taking the yarn from this side to that side. You that know? is true. Yeah. Sometimes I felt like I wasn't taking the yarn from this side to that side. Yeah, that is a little weird. <laughs> the disconnect there between like you're not fully getting it, but for some reason, most of the movie it does feel like Doc kind of has like a grasp. Like he, yeah, he he's following a lead, and mm-hmm. but it's like wh- he's one where? of those high functioning drug heads. That's right. I guess I'm not. <laughs> Just the whole look of uh, this Bigfoot character is great. He looks like a G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. He has that, that ultra flat top, incredible. And he has like the painful backstory too where like his partner, his cop partner was murdered. Somehow mm-hmm. his story is like his cop partner was murdered. Also, he's an actor. Also, now he's just an asshole cop. 
uh, who has like some kind of Tom and Jerry thing going with Doc. When do we first see him? Do you remember? Do we first see him when he's Bigfoot? doing? Yeah. Do we first see him where he we see him in the cop lineup outside of that little the sex house, or do we see him for the first time in the commercial where he's wearing the the fake um, wig? Ooh. Um. I believe the com. Wait, the commercial in the fake wig is not the cop, is it? I thought that was... Fuck, is it the cop? I think it's the cop. For some reason, I thought that that was Wolfman. I don't even remember. I think I, that I, I am so, wrong. I'm so, I'm so confused. <laughs> that means that, that means I'm now thinking that I am me. wrong and that you are correct. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first time that you see him. Or yeah. if it's not the first time, that it's really... That definitely happens before the lineup thing. Okay, then... So, yeah. that, so when you see him as a cop, you're like... The guy from the TV commercial? What is going on? <laughs> well, I clearly didn't even realize it was the same person. Well, because when he's in the commercial, too, he has, like, a huge afro on. Yeah. He's basically doing blackface. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and does he have, like, uh, big shades on, too, in the commercial? I don't remember. But he remember. puts no... He talks the exact same throughout, mm-hmm. though. He doesn't put on a voice or anything. In the commercial? Yeah, he he just says like words like groovy or something, mm, but he yeah. has the same like. You're right. The voice is the same, but the the lingo might be a little different. Yeah. yeah. I guess uh, Jim Carrey was also considered for the role of Bigfoot, which could have been an interesting choice. Yeah. He basically is the same character as uh, one of his guys in Me, Myself, and Irene, right? <laughs> Isn't one I of those guess guys? so, but like, <laughs> he, I don't think he can like get across the sternness of like, like in mm-hmm. Me, Myself, and Irene, he's like really stern and like um, mm-hmm. angry, but it still is silly. It feels silly. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know if I would have. I I loved him, Carrie. I don't know if it would have. It would have been. I, it would have been something completely different, and I would have really enjoyed it. But there is a lot of silliness. In this film, but it's never played silly. Yeah. Or very rarely played silly, right? It's so dry. Would you agree? Yeah. Except, especially, like, the, like, where he goes to, like, the Japanese breakfast place, which is, Mm -hmm. like, um, which is also a scene that, not my favorite scene in the movie, I will say that. (laughs) I mean, same Uh with licorice licorice pizza. Mm -hmm. One, one, yeah. Those are, um, not my fave here. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah but that does like highlight the absurdity but like played in a very straight manner yeah or like the next scene after this part i think is when they're doing like a little interrogation with doc and bigfoot and bigfoot does that long slow like um finger in the hole <laughs> yeah which i don't yeah like which is like a thing that time. <laughs> very strange the you know all this I read a lot of the interviews with the cast of this film describe the set as being organized chaos and like just talk about how chaotic it was. PTA had like no direction and just let them like do the the craziest, zaniest stuff like over and over and do a million takes and just have like be huge or be crazy. But they don't have a lot of details of what they mean by that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I understand what that is. It's like, mm-hmm. you know. You kind of want to be like, hey, what is like, what direction do you want me to take this in? Yeah. And then, but I think with that movie, it's just like, literally give me everything and this is going to be my editor's problem. Which is also crazy to do on a film that's shot on film too, because you're just blowing money. Yeah. And also a (laughs) film that's like, that goes a lot of places. Like there's a lot of different setups here. Like it's Mm -hmm. not like shot mainly in his apartment or anything. Like they go everywhere. So it's like. What was the budget on this? I wonder. I think it was I think it was one billion, but I think I could be wrong. <laughs> Twenty-five 
20 million. That doesn't seem like it's enough. No. With all the locations that they have, all the costuming, all the actors, all the film, just all the all acting. The, like, yeah. <laughs> all the, like, you know, top tier actors. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure, like, they take, like, maybe with this movie, they take, like, SAG, whatever the day rate is at the date, mm-hmm. the minimum is. I'm sure that's what it that is. Yeah. They cut a deal, but, like, just on, like, shooting on film and all that alone, I, I can't imagine. I can't believe that it's only 20 million yeah 20 million doesn't seem like enough for how much is going on here (laughs) yeah so the scene with them doing the finger in the whole sex thing weird weird long crazy (laughs) yeah weird long crazy and like that joke didn't personally that joke didn't whatever that it is it didn't land for me Mm -hmm. Um, you didn't consider that a joke because it wasn't funny um, I I wasn't laughing. I had my yeah. arms crossed, and I go, "This movie better make me laugh." And you're a professional comedian, at mm-hmm. least. At that's some right. Point. That's how. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So um, you would know. I would know. I'm the authority on it. So, <laughs> and guess what? PTA. That was not funny. <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, is like mm. that point didn't like. I wasn't like. It didn't feel like a thing. Like, oh, that's the thing that that character would do right then. It just like it felt off. But that's maybe part of the experience yeah it seemed like they were just encouraged to do weird shit even if it didn't make sense right which like he's a big fan of um uh robert downey you know him mm, mm-hmm. um, i've heard of him yeah he's a big guy he he loves his movies like um putney swope and all that um mm. which is like the absurdity is like i think he's always just wanted to make like a very i feel like with that knowledge of him loving those movies you can definitely see that PTA Are you talking re- PTA here? Yeah, or, PTA or really. Okay. No, PTA is a big fan of Robert Downey, and mm-hmm. I've always imagined in my head that he's just always wanted to make that like zany comedy. Mm-hmm. And so, whenever I see like that weird back and forth, that weird like Asian Japanese scene, hey, in, yeah, yeah. in um, <laughs> licorice pizza, licorice pizza, I can see like that like pizza. race pizza, that race comedy. <laughs> Being, uh-huh. like, big and, like, Putney Swope, I can see that connection, that influence of his. And I'm like, I don't know if this is, like, I don't know if you... It's something he admires but isn't maybe can't really pull capable off. of, yeah, yeah, of reproducing. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you see the influence, but he's not nailing it. Yeah. But he's, like, besides that, he's doing everything great. Maybe the same just with this guy's books, like, that he loves them so much and thinks they're so, like, incredible and zany and wild and then just isn't necessarily able to pull off that level of craziness yeah but it's also like that's a that's a crazily impossible feat because it's like again like Mm -hmm. the book can offer an experience that is so hard to replicate in um you know in a movie and i that's why it's like the shining is a perfect example of that like it didn't get the book correct but like it did have a tone that like it could share a tone so, yeah, I think it they shares share some seeds. It's yeah, but it's not like mm-hmm. a perfect one to one, and I don't think people should really expect that out of yeah, you're probably right. Anyways, I mean, like a lot of people are adapting like Murakami now, and I think that's the same thing. Like you're not getting the exact story right, but you have the overall tone is correct. Mm-hmm. An- another author that I haven't read, but I have a ton <laughs> of his books. <laughs> Yeah, I've never read any of his books, but I used to live with someone who was obsessed with the stuff. Haven't uh, we all? You know? <laughs> always. There's always that one person is real sicko for those Real those books. sicko for Mirakami. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, so I've never read any of his crap either. But I was just thinking of like what other movies I have seen that I have read the book and have I ever felt like the feeling necessarily translated and I think the answer oh. is no. The what? one book that I've read recently, the um, Charlie Kaufman book. Um, I'm thinking I've, of ending. I'm things. thinking of ending things. That's mm-hmm. actually a really, it's it's really close to one to one, but except for the ending, I think the ending didn't. Did you see the movie first or read the book first? I read the book first, and it was the mm. first time I've ever experienced like coming in with like the knowledge of the book and the feeling of the book and watching it and yeah it was great it it was it was like almost one-to-one in my head except that they left out some details that i found to be interesting but Mm -hmm. then the third act happened and then that didn't that totally for me it didn't work at all in my in my head Mm -hmm. and i i felt like one of those snobs <laughs> that were like, yeah. well, I got this experience out of the book and I didn't get it from the movie. I saw the movie, but I did not read the book and I did not like the movie. But I also yeah. was, I don't know, confused by it, I guess. I didn't really understand what it was saying, but I'm wondering if there's something I'm missing by not having read the book, which is why I asked if you, which you did first, because I was wondering if you would have seen the movie first, if you would have understood what was happening. <laughs> um, you ex- I mean, you there ex- are points that you understand what's happening. You ex- I don't really you- get the point of it. It's it's like it's clearly explained in the book and the explanation is kind of like it does cheapen the experience because it over explains to Mm. a point where you're like whatever like that mysterious feeling I was having is totally ruined by like knowing the exact backstory of this. And so like I think Charlie Kaufman probably tried to dampen that by making it more mysterious, but mm-hmm. I think it does more harm than it does good because, like, at the end, you're like, they're singing Oklahoma, which it doesn't happen in the book at all. Yeah. And you're like... I, the- I hated that. When yeah, that happened, I, hated I said, that fuck this movie. <laughs> and, like, one of my favorite parts about the book was the ending. Yeah. And the ending up to the point, because after... The, up to the point, because there's a point at the very end where it explains everything. I didn't care for that, but before mm-hmm. that... She gets trapped in a in a high school, and it's like mm-hmm. really weird. Uh, and I and I really enjoyed um, reading that. So I think the book's better than the movie, and I really enjoyed the movie. I just didn't enjoy the third act. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so, how much of this other movie do we have to explain? <laughs> uh, we're about halfway through. <laughs> okay. Well, I did some skips and jumps, but <laughs> there's also speaking of weird shit that Josh Boland does in this film. Uh, the frozen banana thing yeah i yeah i just like those things don't land for me i, I mean i know and this is coming from a guy who loves the movie yeah uh, it's just like the comedic parts of this movie it's just i don't care for it is josh brolin ever funny has he done something funny i don't think so i think he's extremely charming like in no country for old man he can say a quip or something that's really uh, it's funny but in in that character it's not like i don't think he's ever been hilarious he's not really in like anything that is explicitly funny he's just an incredible right? actor so like yeah. i'm i'm along for the ride whatever he does i'm just like what is his personal sense of humor he probably he doesn't did, have one <laughs> he did a he did a hot ones you know the youtube oh the yeah back on youtube he did one of those recently <laughs> and Where he's they eat very hot chicken yeah and he, he he was very charming and very cool Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably charming. He's like an A-list celeb. He's an A-list celeb, but he like he grew up going. He lived in like Santa Monica, and he grew up going to black flag shows and the oh okay stuff like that. So he grew up that. as a little punk boy. He a little punk boy. Um, mm, okay. So I thought that was exp- uh, interesting. Punk boys having no sense of humor. <laughs> I've never heard never of that. Heard of it. <laughs> That's like I did grow up going to like punk shows. 
Yeah, same. <laughs> Literally, the, that's the first thing. I went to like a casualty show. Uh-huh. It's like that. And my first like real punk show was like a, a band called The Global Threat. Mm-hmm. And it's I, the, the really honestly the first thing that I've noticed is like everyone's so aggro here. And they none of these people have said anything ever funny in their whole lives. I yeah. can guarantee it. So. Yeah. um except for like pop punk is very funny but like when you get to the real like gritty stuff it's it's not funny at all when you're punk more as like subculture and less as like a style of music (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah for sure but josh brolin is um the real punk style of music and therefore he's not funny exactly and that's like and that's what happens when you go to a black flag show when you're a little kid yeah i should really go on less tangents here but when i first moved to la the fr- the thing that i did the most was rent punk documentaries because i really liked them yeah. mm-hmm. and f- and i've noticed like like west coast time- punk specifically or just any just any i mean a mm-hmm. lot of it's west coast like america like um i don't know like American you had to become familiar and, with uh, the culture that you were moving into, so you didn't seem like a poser. No, no uh, <laughs> I don't, could care less. Everyone's so aggressive here when it comes to punk. Yeah, and I say that because, like, I was in a comedy group called Power Violence, right. which is like a subgenre of punks. And if you want to know about some really unfunny <laughs> group of uh, guys, the, uh-huh. those are Power Violence fans. Um, yeah. Anywho, but I realize. Everyone in the 80s that was a fan of punk, they sounded like a goddamn caveman. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. Uh, anywho, I don't need to go on that, but, you know. No, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> You're free to tangent, as you yeah, wish. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the frozen banana thing, too, I was like, what is the joke here? And is it that doing this makes him look gay yeah ha 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 very funny yeah we're laughing at you because you're yeah because you're, you're doing gay. gay like what the f- stop people yeah. i think that's like i'm that's the thing that i'm glad is like slowly dying out mm-hmm. uh, which was like a big part of the culture growing up is like the being gay was the punchline yeah and i think now it's like a thing where all right i'm gonna get off my soapbox whatever who cares <laughs> It's not the punchline no more. (laughs) Yeah, even stuff where, you know, people like, I I don't think they had like bad intentions or whatever. Like they probably had gay friends, but gay was still the punchline. No, it's just like it's part of the culture is what it was. It's just like, but it's like. Makes it tough to watch older comedy. (laughs) Or like, or newer comedies made by older people that are Mm, just like mm -hmm. not totally up to date. Haven't caught up. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Bigfoot and Doc continue to have this like weird contentious relationship throughout the movie. Somewhere around here, Bigfoot calls Doc, and when they're on the phone, each time in this film, their behaviors sort of mirror each other on each end. I think they both have the same color phone, first of all, which is like this like bluish green phone. But then, I like, didn't notice that. Yeah, because it's like a beautiful color. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then also, like, Doc will be smoking. And Bigfoot will take a drink at the same time. Or um, there's different times where they're on the phone and, like, each of them has a partner walking around in the background. Their girlfriend or ex-girlfriend in Doc's case. So they're always kind of like uh, alternate universe versions of (laughs) each other, sort of. This is something I absolutely did not pick up on. Yeah. (laughs) But having it been explained is like, oh, that's interesting. What an interesting idea. (laughs) You're like, maybe I'll watch this movie again. You know I will. I really, I do enjoy this. I think I might give Licorice Pizza another ride, but. You think so? Yeah. I I didn't know if Licorice Pizza would translate as well outside of a theater. It's kind of what I thought. I just, yeah, there's just some scenes in that too. 
that there's certain shots too that I kind of just want to rewatch. Oh and yeah, <laughs> that's how it, that's how it gets. That's how they get me. Um, I think the next scene is with Jenna Malone. Is she uh, the o- um... Owen Wilson's girlfriend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I think this is one of my favorite scenes. So like, she calls up Doc and is like, "My boyfriend's gone missing. He was friends with your ex, and so now he's on her case too of finding her dead, dead or not dead boyfriend." <laughs> I loved her story of how. Her and Owen Wilson's character met. Yeah. <laughs> this whole scene is like so funny, but it's delivered so like deadpan and dry that you, I mean, you really have to think about it, but I think it's so funny. Yeah. That, like, these are like one of the scenes that kind of makes the movie for me. Like, yeah. It's like, cause you, you kind of like get lost in the confusion and you try to keep up with it. And then like a, just a really nice scene happens. That's really like, nice. Like kind of longer scene for how many characters there are in this film and how how little time we get to spend with so many people that she gets a yeah. good chunk right here. This movie, yeah, this movie like has like a weird like they ha- it has weird pacing throughout. Not weird, but like different pacing, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really fun to land on a scene and then the scene just plays out a little longer and it just feels mm-hmm. like I don't know. I think all great hangout movies do that. Yeah, and I think I in my head I kind of think of this as a hangout movie. Um, sure. Because you're kind of like you're kind of following the flow, and it's like mm-hmm. you're not really stuck on story that much. Only if you like give up the story in your head. Because mm-hmm. I think the trap of this and his movie, job is kind of his job is kind of hanging out. Yeah, finding different people to hang out with and ask some questions. Just hanging out and chatting. That's yeah. what being a PI is. Yeah. So her story is that she met Owen Wilson's character because she was on heroin and he was shitting in a bathroom and she went in to puke up a balloon of drugs that she swallowed just opened the door with her fingers already down her throat and started puking puked on his boner (laughs) and puked up her drugs and it was love at first sight but the story is told in such a sweet manner yeah of like like having this yeah daydream reminiscing right Um, it's beautiful and (laughs) And then she talks about their child together, Amethyst, um, and shows him a picture of the child and Joaquin just screaming and then carrying on the scene I I loved, too. Yeah, that actually was one of the funny moments that landed for me. Uh, Somebody told me they thought that that might be like not real, like not in reality. And that's why the girl doesn't react at all because there's no reaction. He screams in the middle of her talking and there's no reaction from her. And uh, somebody told me they read that as that part not being reality just like oh like that was like that's that was a physical representation of like what happened in his brain yeah i could see that that? but i wouldn't read into it that much i think the movie has proves itself to be so zany that like anything is possible in this world Mm -hmm. that's kind of what i thought too and that's kind of how i read all the goofy stuff that you're like what but i did read a lot of takes that are people being like well maybe this like I read a take that was like, maybe Joanna Newsom's whole character is fake, and it's just like a voice in his head or something, or I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that, I mean, that's what I, I, I think what uh, Paul Thomas Anderson loves that crap, because like, mm-hmm. I heard I heard the same thing when um, Punch Drunk Love came out, that, that really? like, um, that character that Adam Sandler falls in love with is an alien, and that's why there's a lot of like stars and when you mm. watch the movies, there's a lot of like moon landing footage playing on TV, or maybe not moon landing, but there's a lot of space footage playing mm-hmm. on TV, and they're all saying like, "Oh, that's the clue of telling you that she's actually an alien who was like fell to Earth 
and her only objective was to fall in love with this guy. So it's like a conspiracy theory based on his film. Yeah. Same yeah. with, yeah, I think. So you think these are conspiracy theories too? <laughs> exactly. And this movie is, um, this is about the 70s where conspiracy <laughs> theories happen. And... Mm, okay. So, this movie is what I'm saying is 4D chess. These are all <laughs> yeah. incredibly smart moves. <laughs> yeah, I hate to think of like movies where it's like, oh, the whole thing was fake the whole time, you know, or like it was all in their brain. And also like that. all that stuff is like I could honestly when I watch movies, the story is the last thing I really care about. So like mm-hmm. when it comes when people theorize about like what the re- character really is, it's like I could care less because it's like mm-hmm. that's not where I get my enjoyment from from these yeah. movies. It's you about, say like, did it have one cool shot? What was the what was the what was the uh, tracking shot like, and how long did it go for? <laughs> was there a dolly involved? Yes or no? Yeah, was there a dolly on set, and how long did the, did we stay on that shot? <laughs> Thank you. That's all I care about. That's all I need to know. Yeah, so you don't give a shit about story. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, hell yeah, I respect that. <laughs> and that's why I think I like this movie so much. Is I don't care about story. I only care about characters and tone. Mm-hmm. You never care about story. It's rare that I do. Mm-hmm. Wait, is there a movie where I really cared about story? I don't know if there's one that stands out. I mean, like, you know, like, I care about, like, characters' relationship and how it, like, builds, but, like, plot points and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. I could care less. So you're hating what's happening right now. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, it is interesting, like, talking about this, because, like, you are bringing up stuff that, like, I haven't even noticed, like, the phone and, like, the characters doing the same stuff, which, you know, it's going to be interesting on my 400th view. Yeah. <laughs> we find out about the Golden Fang, which is like a boat, but it's also a drug cartel. We meet Owen Wilson, who also hires Doc to try and check on his family. So his family has both hired Doc to find him, and he has hired him to find them. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a money-making scheme. It's a money-making scheme, but he doesn't even take money from him. He takes information, which is right. the information on the Golden Fang. So how's he making money? Because he's doing a lot of information trading throughout this thing. Yeah, I don't think it really, How's he yeah. paying rent in L.A.? Am How I are you right? paying for that doctor's <laughs> office, my man? <laughs> and all those drugs. Um, there's um, also a thing where it's like the doctor's office. I pay $1.50 in rent every month because mm-hmm. it's the 70s. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the 70s, you're right. The Wolfman was seen on this boat a couple days before he disappeared. And they say some stuff about, like, the Department of Justice was trying to get him to buy property on, like, the Vegas Strip or something. I didn't really understand what was going on All this on is flying so, so far over my head while, yeah. while I'm watching it. I go, all right, cool. <laughs> what the hell are they I go, talking about? only thing I'm thinking of is, like, how did they get so much fog on this pier? There was a lot are. of fog there. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, I guess he famously like never likes to use fog, but then used so much on this film. He had like a fight with his DP about it. You know what? I don't think he worked with that DP ever again. Really? What, I know they had a ne- fight about it, but I don't know. Is his next movie um, Phantom Thread? Mm, if maybe? it is, we don't even have to look it up. If it is, mm-hmm. he starts. He became his own DP from then on out. Really? Yeah, he shot um, Phantom Thread, and he did the DP work for his new one. So yeah, that was next. So interesting. And it's all because of fog. They had a fight over the fog. Him and Reese are hanging out when they see. Owen Wilson on TV yelling at Nixon. And that's when he finds out that Owen Wilson is like also an informant. 
And he now is trying to infiltrate political activist groups. Yeah. But he was a rocker previously. A horn honker. A horn honker. (laughs) Famous horn honker, Owen Wilson. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They call him Chucky in this part, which thinking of Owen Wilson's face and it being called Chucky just makes me laugh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the civil dead, we have a Chucky too. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. He's at the poker table. Mm, Hell yeah. (laughs) So Doc pretends to work for a magazine and goes to wherever Owen Wilson is staying. And we find out that Owen Wilson, like, is an informant but kind of doesn't want to be he's trying to get out but he's like kind of trapped doing it and now he can never return to his girlfriend and kid uh poor little fellow bless his heart and just to be clear this is honestly the one the only storyline that i really latched on to that i kind of wanted to track i actively wanted to like keep up on was owen wilson's part yeah of like because his like his objective was so clear you know it's just like hey i'm away from my girlfriend because of this and i want to be back with her and my kid yeah it was probably the most cut and dry of everybody's drama going on (laughs) the stuff with wolfman like just becomes so convoluted there's like more and more layers like we said the thing on like the strip with the property and then we find out he was trying to build some like commune and you know from like the beginning of the movie that this storyline is not going to become any clearer so i like i checked out yeah even on first viewing i knew like (laughs) this is like it's gonna do me no good trying to actively stay up on this yeah, yeah. So the stuff with the uh, Wolfman just keeps getting more and more twisted, more and more complicated. And it's like, okay, he's friends with Nazis, but now he wants to build like a hippie commune and like give back. He like has guilt for making people pay a bunch of money for shit houses, mm-hmm. but also he's somehow embroiled with this like cartel. And you're like, how does that happen? And also he's having like all the affairs. It's just it's like building up and building up so much crap on right. Wolfman. Yeah. So Shasta sends a postcard referencing some time that they did a Ouija board. And I think that that segment was maybe directed by Quentin Tarantino. Is it? Is it really? I kept seeing stuff saying that Quentin Tarantino directed one of the flashbacks, but I think that's the only flashback, isn't it? And that was a really good flashback. And it does seem like a thing that he would have fun directing. And there were lots of bare, dirty feet. Oh my, yeah. (laughs) That's him. (laughs) I'm thinking that was him. And I mean, throughout the film, we get close-ups of Joaquin Phoenix's bare, dirty feet. So I wonder if that was kind of like a shout out to my brother um, thing too. (laughs) No, Quentin's on set goes, I just got the zaniest idea. (laughs) So it's sus that she brings up this like Ouija board day. So he goes to the address they went to at that time, which was like some address to get drugs or something and it's now the golden fang enterprises it's this big old weird ass building and inside is martin short and they are doing drugs again i had trouble keeping track of the drugs too yeah because they don't call them their <laughs> they don't call them by the drugs name it's like everything's dope this is like dope? clearly cocaine right though i was like is it cocaine or is it just heroin that they're snorting yeah because they call heroin dope too right yeah i don't know I, I famously don't know. don't know shit about drugs. Me too. I mean, that's the thing that I don't really... <laughs> I googled, can you snort heroin? <laughs> <laughs> so I looked up your history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... But it was like, yeah, but most people don't do it because it doesn't hit the same and they'd mm-hmm. rather shoot. I don't know. So I guess you can snort heroin, but 
I don't know. I've seen people fade out on heroin, and none of these people look like they're fading out either. So yeah. Jenna Malone's character talked about losing her teeth, and when they're here, he finds like a whole room full of dentists fixing people's teeth. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's what he thinks the Golden Fang is about? Well, it's just connected. It's like they have like a whole bunch of businesses is what we end up finding out because they also have like a rehab center. Yeah. So it's like they're getting people hooked on drugs. Then they're also being the people who take the money when they need their teeth fixed because they are fucked up on drugs so much that their teeth fell out. But then also they're the people who are running the rehab so that when these people try and get clean, they're still making the money from them. Collecting on every corner. Just every part of, yeah. their, of the experience they can collect on. Yeah. I also liked this character, Dennis. <laughs> That's in this part, too. His, like, friend who can't drive. Kiss your mother with that mouth? <laughs> I thought Dennis was a, a really goofy name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little zany. Yeah, he's, like, tries to drive a stick shift and then comes back in and was like, no, I actually can't drive, but he's holding the steering wheel. So like, yeah, he's a great, I love, that's, he's a great character. He's only in it for, like, two seconds, but. He's in some, like, he's in, like, the beginning a little bit, right? Wasn't he, like. He had pizza with him in the beginning. He might have, yeah. Yeah. He seems to be one of his good buddies. Yeah. You love a good buddy. Yeah, you gotta love a good buddy. Um, So Martin Short's character ends up becoming not alive. In a trampoline accident or something? Or is that something, I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, I think it was a trampoline accident. Or he's like found dead next to a trampoline with yeah. his neck fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. But he had puncture wounds in his neck. Yeah. That may, might be a golden fang puncture, but we don't know. Which we find out when Doc and Bigfoot meet up at that Japanese breakfast place, which you decided was problematic. <laughs> yeah. I'm the king of canceling now, and <laughs> it's my order that you are canceled now. Sorry. <laughs> you have to cu- cancel other people so that they won't cancel you first. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> You're trying to, to get ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That's right. I go, Annie Hall? Never heard of that. <laughs> You've already said you're a pervert for girls, so I don't know. <laughs> We've got no, I don't think I said that. <laughs> Doc shows Bigfoot some pics from Owen Wilson's big party the other day, and they're like clearly a reproduction of the Last Supper mm-hmm. <laughs> picture. So that's just something silly. I guess the band The Growlers is in the picture, too. Oh, is it? Are they really? Allegedly. Ugh. I don't yeah. know if I know what they look like. I know. They they were like a big thing. They were they big were, I remember County. their music. Yeah. I think I had a CD of theirs at some point. Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting to like um, find out bands in movies. I did a music video for a band called Lemuria. I know Lemuria. And uh, they told me that they were in a Terrence Malick movie where they played a band that was playing at a party at a Hollywood Hills. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Also, Black Lips is in a Terrence Malick movie. Really? Yeah. I played a a show with Lemuria before. Oh, really? They're really cool people. I really like them. Um, But yeah, they told them at this venue I used to run all the time. Oh, yeah, they're very cool. But it's interesting to hear like. Them talking about being in a Terrence Malick movie because it's like random. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the most random director too because it's like the most he's like a mysterious little fella. So did you get the inside scoop on him or what? I I did not get enough information because hmm. it's like it's just it's just like you know it's like you're on set. There's so much going on, mm, so many mm-hmm. moving parts that you can never yeah. really feel is you know <laughs> so they couldn't feed the hunger um yeah. of clay T- all the information clay Tatum wanted <laughs> and so i began i began to scream and it got yeah. really uncomfortable mm-hmm. um but next time you're going to send them a questionnaire in advance mm-hmm. and i go that's answer this <laughs> or i'm going to scream again answer me these riddles <laughs> mm-hmm. that's right i basically i turn into the riddler 
Yeah. <laughs> for movie knowledge. Hell yeah. <laughs> also at this little restaurant, Bigfoot mentions a drug dealer. I just thought the drug dealer's name was really crazy. <laughs> Leonard James Loosemeat, a.k.a. El Drano. At this point, honestly, I, I, I go, PTA, Thomas, Tommy Boy, I get it. <laughs> Names are weird, huh? I get it. Let's move on. Do you think he made those names, or do you think these are names from the book? Oh, no, they're, they're definitely from the book. I, there's yeah. no way that Paul Thomas Anderson... I think he's he loves the book so much that he would never stray Never change from a character it. name, yeah. yeah. I think I started one of his books, too. I think I started Gravity's Rainbow, whatever. And it's like one of those things where the name is so weird that you can't really say it in your head clearly you always mm. have a hard time which mm-hmm. makes the reading experience even more unlikely or unlikable for me because mm. i'm i have like a because you can't grade. read the words well i can't read the words and i already starting off with a fifth grade reading level so it's like I mean, you're not <laughs> making it easier here for me yeah <laughs> it's a twist in your little my little peanut brain in my junk. brain mm-hmm. <laughs> a little too much twists and turns for a smooth brain yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> So Joaquin does infiltrate this rehab center, and he finds the Wolfman there. there I guess is, in the huh? book he doesn't find him. Oh, I guess really? That was one big difference between the book and the movie. Well, in the book, uh, what I read is that he sees Wolfman with the FBI, like leaving a place in Las Vegas, and just walking out, and they never see him again. He never talks to him. None of that happens. Oh, but in the and movie, in this one, they find him at the rehab. Yeah, and he says that they're trying to basically... I think he says they're trying to help me wake up from my bad hippie dream. Yeah, I, it's a great scene. I love that yeah. actor. And Yeah, it is great. So they're trying to like brainwash him into not wanting to do this like utopia he was dreaming of in the desert, I guess. Yeah. But also, does that have to do with whatever they wanted him to do like on the Vegas Strip, buying property? Honestly, at this point, who freaking knows? <laughs> And after this, there's like a whole other like third plot with um, this guy, Adrian Prussia, mm-hmm. who has a badass name, but they find out that he was like basically a hired hitman for the LAPD. He's the one who killed Bigfoot's partner and made Big- Bigfoot all mean and crazy. Mm-hmm. He smokes a joint that's like, I think, laced with like PCP and acid. The one flaw of hippie detectives that they'll always do the drug. That's so, the one flaw. <laughs> you can make them take whatever. <laughs> yeah. That was another one of the more fun scenes, though, is when he wakes up from that. And he's, like, handcuffed to the pipe and has to figure out how to get out of that. Yeah, the movie is interesting because it's, like, really confusing. And it feels like it's, like, you're not watching a real movie. But, like, when you zoom out, it's like, oh, we're entering the end part of the movie and we need mm-hmm. to have a big like third act where yeah is he gonna make it is he not and we do have that and it's like incredibly satisfying too even though watching it you don't exactly know exactly why he's there and what he's gonna gain from being there and mm-hmm. then you know but even that even people not knowing really following the story like him escaping that is very satisfying yeah it's fun to watch it's high stakes like finally there's a stake in this town <laughs> yeah like he he really even though he's been sort of on the edge of interacting with people who are very dangerous for most of the film he never really seems to be in much danger yeah right? He just, like, gets out or, like, you know, he le- he gets away with it. Like, when he's, like, in the room with the, all the ties and stuff, like, he mm-hmm. gets away. And then when he comes out, the cops are there, too, randomly. And he just gets beaten up for a little bit. But, like, it moves on as if, like, nothing is, like, impactful. Yeah. Because what even was that with him being beaten up outside of that house? I'm the worst person to ask. 
As you said, well, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm just enjoy, I'm enjoying that the slow mo is what I'm doing. Boy's getting his ass whooped. I love this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> I wonder if there's a cut of this movie that like actually explain. There's actually points of this movie that explains a little more mm-hmm. that just had to get cut out for time's sake. I wonder if there's a cut like that that exists. Maybe. But maybe. My DVD has zero special features. It has a trailer, Ew. and that's it. There wasn't even like a commentary Dang. or anything. Let's I get know. these. DVD, come on. What's That's the like point the of best the DVD? part of a DVD. Yeah. <laughs> we all have access to the internet, and we're buying DVDs for the... Ex- come on, gang. Get it together. Come on. Get the features on there, doy. <laughs> Do you think these weirdos and sickos are saving all the good stuff because they assume they're going to be on the Criterion Collection? Probably. Ugh, you hate to see it, folks. You really do. Or like they think when they're later in life and they need some money, they'll have something to sell. Yeah, they'll have the... Oh, here's the commentary track that I recorded when it came just out. Just happened that I, to stumble upon That I happened not to release at all. <laughs> it's like you with that one short. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. You're just holding on to that. I one day will need money, <laughs> and I will collect the $12 that, I will, that that short will make me. And you won't have to do any work for it besides find the hard drive. Exactly. It's 12 bucks I've ever made. <laughs> So this big-ass bodyguard and Joaquin have this, like, back and forth where they're trying to kill each other, basically. Joaquin escapes from being handcuffed to a pipe via a slice of credit card in his shoe. Okay, genius. Gets a hold of the needle of pure drugs and injects it into this big-ass bodyguard. And then mm-hmm. shoots the shoots the little um, Adrian. The little Adrian. <laughs> little, the little guy is what we call him. <laughs> little guy, bless his heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Little mobster hitman. <laughs> yep. Bigfoot shows up then. Like, just in the nick of time. He seems to be kind of behind all of this. And steals all their drugs. Plants it in Joaquin's car. And, yeah, the whole thing was just to get back at Adrian for killing his partner? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I don't. You don't know. At you don't this care. point, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. Um, yeah, because that's the point. Like, what I mentioned earlier, like, the, what's his name? The officer's um, storyline. Bigfoot? Bigfoot. That's where it kind of, it definitely loses me completely at that point. Mm-hmm. There's not much left at this point, yeah. Right. Joaquin gets Owen Wilson released from his grasp as an informant. Which is also a very satisfying moment. Yeah, because he he could have taken a bunch of money. He gives back the drugs is what happens, and they're like, we'll give you a bunch of money for the drugs if you just give them back. He's like, how about instead of that, you just let Owen Wilson go? So they do, and he reunites with his uh, gorgeous little girlfriend and baby, and it's a sweet little moment. Yeah. And then the final scene with Doc and Bigfoot was great also a a really good scene in the film um where bigfoot comes and kicks down his door which was also i think foreshadowed at the beginning of the film um there's a time when doc is at a cafe it's like at the very beginning of the film and somebody like the waiter mentions that a cop was looking for him and he says something like oh you mean bigfoot huh i wonder why he didn't kick in my door like usual oh yeah so then at the end he does kick in his door that's mm -hmm. yeah Nice. And then he eats <laughs> nice. and, and then he eats the weed. Oh yeah. Well first he just does a, a little hit off the joint and then they speak together. So which is kind of like the pinnacle of their mimicking stuff because they're normally on the phone and mm-hmm. they're doing the same stuff in different areas. But at this point they're together and they're doing the same thing at the same time. So it's like the, the absolute culmination of their weird mimicking behavior that they've done throughout the movie because they speak the same words at the same time. And then he eats all the weed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess he was only supposed to do, he was supposed to eat the joint, but then he just felt like he wanted to eat more. (laughs) Because these guys are getting no direction. They're just going, (laughs) 
Hey, man, just go out and do some weird shit. I'll be behind the camera. <laughs> Allegedly, there was a take of this scene, too, where there were no words and they just danced together. So, oh boy. I don't know. What's that, that like? <laughs> that, would have, that would not have helped me. I mean, none of this is. I'm understanding zero of it as it is. So why not? Go for it. It wouldn't have been as satisfying. I mean, the exactly. scene is weird. Does it make sense? Like, not entirely. But... It's kind of fun. Right. You can see that he clearly has, like, he's, like, he's beaten. He's, like, out of it. Mm -hmm. um, he's, like, whatever. Like, the stress is taken over completely. Like, that yeah. reads. And, like, you know, the doc is as confused as we are. So that reads, too. So it's, you know. And I think they always kind of have, they allude a couple times to having, like, a history together or, like, maybe having gone to school together and known each other for a long time. It's like they have like a sort of friendship. Yeah. But it's just a really toxic friendship because they have a sort of partnership, but it's really toxic partnership. And this is like one moment where you get them like at least trying to connect and be on the same page for a minute without mm -hmm. just like tearing out each other's throats. So it was nice. This is basically the end. He, uh, Joaquin just drives off in the sunset with his little girlfriend, right? Yeah. And it, it ends on a confusing note. Or in the, the ending note is... He thinks he's being followed, or it makes you think he's being followed because a light hits his rear view mirror, mm. and it like his like um very sus suspicious. Mm. But yeah, mm. it, it, he has the it leaves you with the lingering feeling of he's being followed or just whatever. It just like uh, it just r hits the point again of that feeling. Is that paranoia from all the weed though? We'll never know. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole seventies. Yeah. We get at this point <laughs> collectively, we're like. Sure, 70s are filled with paranoia. We get mm -hmm. it. And that hits that note again at the end. And it also, like, it kind of just, like, the movie doesn't feel like it comes to a full stop. It feels like the movie just fades out. Mm -hmm. Their life continues after. Yeah, which is not my favorite type of endings, but it was, like, you know, it is nice. I guess in the book they don't end up together, too. Him oh. and the girl. Mm -hmm. I'm at this point. I'm interested in reading. The You're gonna book. read it, and, and what I mean by <laughs> reading the book is I'm gonna read the Wikipedia page <laughs> fully. Yeah, the book is like 400 pages, I think. So that's quite a commitment. And you know, I don't have time for that nonsense. Who does? Who among no us one. has time to be reading 400 pages? No, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can read a page or two of an online article. <laughs> okay, so now we're at the point where you tell me your final. <laughs> Your real, true, honest thoughts. The of moment like, you've been waiting for. The moment that I've been, I want a grade system. Um, <laughs> and I yeah, want so you to. <laughs> we have a part where we score this out of five. So okay. you would like for me to go first is what I'm hearing. I, I mean, I'll go first. I give this a five out of five. I love this little stinker. <laughs> what do you love about it? I love the pacing of the movie. And I just, I, to me, this movie feels like a hangout movie and it, has it in its in its best form like to me a hangout movie is not like just guys hanging out a hangout movie is you are focusing around one character but you are seeing that character in a bunch of different like vignettes that mm -hmm. don't really have to be together it's like one of my favorite movies of all time is slc punk mm -hmm. um which is like uh it's also a movie that you're you're it's more about getting across the character and how he is more than the the story but what this movie does is like it makes you think that you the movie is about the story but it's not it's not about it and it and it's not that because it's like it's purposely supposed to be confusing and confusing you and 
um, make you feel like a paranoid, like, a hippie. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it's a hangout movie, and, and it's just so much fun to watch because you'll be confused and you're like you'll you're just along for the ride and then sometimes you'll land on a scene where he's talking to the girl looking for Owen and you're like oh that's a really nice scene it just feels good and then you're at, you're at another point you're like he's giving drugs to a bunch of like girl scouts and it's just mm-hmm. like and it just it's a great hangout movie and i think the way the movie's edited and the way the the there's a bed of music throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. that kind of like gets you and puts you kind of in a trance and you're just kind of like the movie has a wavelength, and you're like, once you get on it, it's just like it's a fun ride. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I enjoy the movie, even though I could care less about the plot. Half the time, I don't know what's going on, and I can't follow <laughs> it. It's mm-hmm. just like this movie is like a law, like a one of those like rides at Disney, where it's just like, even though I'm a I'm a um, Orlando a universal <laughs> universal boy, guy. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's just, you're on like this little ride and it's just like, what I'm trying to get at is I I just enjoy the pacing of this movie Mm -hmm. and it just feels, it just feels good and I really enjoy it. And um, it took me about two or three viewings for me to really like that about the movie. Yeah. I think I would, I might like this more on a third viewing that has no stakes to it. Where right. it's not attached to me having to know about the movie <laughs> mm-hmm. or me having to figure out what's going on with it. Yeah, because I didn't love my first viewing. I just really didn't love when I'm really trying to like follow everything and it's just like hurting my head and it seems so long and there's just more and more things going on and I couldn't keep up with it. And I'm like, am I stupid uh, I don't know, uh, but I was struggling. These are things I ask film. myself no matter what movie I'm watching. So you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I've obviously seen films where like they're not supposed to make sense, and that's totally cool. And you can just like let go and and ride the wave or whatever. But it feels like, I mean, the points in this film do connect. Like it ultimately does make sense. Every thread that started does finish. I think. But, um, oh, yeah, this is like, I don't want to like to have it come across like this is like so avant garde that you don't really know. Right. It's just like the, the, it doesn't the, matter. The plot points <laughs> connecting together is like utterly, utterly meaningless. Yeah. And it, it's not supposed to, that's not where you're supposed to gleam the enjoyment of the movie yeah. from. That's not where the focus should be, is trying to figure out what's happening with the plot the focus but the movie the does vibe. the trick where it makes you think that is the por- purpose yeah of it but it ain't <laughs> but, it ain't. <laughs> but it ain't so i think from a filmmaking perspective there are a lot of things i respect about this film like you said like the characters are all really great really unique the acting was all really great uh the editing like you said um the way everything looks is great the music i agree really adds like a whole vibe and it was very it felt very true to the time. So I respect those things. I didn't love watching it. <laughs> right. So, and there were those couple scenes that I really did like. So I gave this a three and a half, ultimately. That's a lot better than I thought you were going to Really? Uh, give it, yeah. <laughs> because I think you can't, I don't think you can give it less than that because it's obviously like, it's made really well. Like, it's done really well. I mean, this might be a corny thing to say, but hmm. it's like... Whenever you have a dream that is that 
you wake up from that impacts you. It's like it doesn't impact you because of, of like the storyline. It's mm-hmm. like it evoked a certain like feeling that's mm. cool. And when you look back on it, you, you when I look back on the movie, I don't think about the plot point. I think about like, oh, remember the scene where he has the memory of running and trying to find drugs and then like that was nice and like you just have like it just like had the the movie is filled with those moments of just like very like dreamlike reflections mm-hmm. of like you know whatever I don't know I just, I think that's a really cool way to describe it yeah that makes a lot of sense to me when when you put it that way and I respect that from this movie yeah yeah so I but gave it, it the a movie is very still, yeah no keep it with the three and a half it's a, <laughs> it's um the movie's nothing but trouble it's it's trying <laughs> the movie is trying to actively annoy you but yeah it's i find it to be very nice but it is also like an interesting point that it is intentionally trying to make you feel like you're high and you're confused and you're paranoid yeah um but i'm that, paranoid but i'm that not ex- catching all the plot points <laughs> <laughs> but that but that excuse only goes so far i mean yeah that's fair too now it's time for screen vomit So in this part of the pod, we just talk about whatever else we've been watching lately, which you mentioned a couple of things we've been watching lately, but if you'd like to talk about more, you can. Yeah, yeah this is the time. for sure. Yeah. I saw the Everything Everywhere All at Once movie. Oh, hell yeah. Did you love it? What do you think? I, re- I really liked it. I mean, I think it's, you know. You didn't I, love it. Well, um, like I said earlier, I'm a mm-hmm. annoying contrarian when it comes to this <laughs> thing. And here's the thing, gang. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just saying this movie is like a masterpiece, 10 out of 10. And so I came into it um, with a certain expectation. Yeah. And the movie is like so effective, so well done, so creative. Like the points both like when they turn into rocks and whatever. Uh-huh. I will say it. I did leave the movie feeling like the story was nothing more elevated than a Pixar storyline. Okay. Um, where... What the, the the what they're teaching you is be kind. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not doesn't really make your brain think. And also all the storylines like I you see it all coming. Like you know that she's gonna have the moment with her where with her grandfather or with her dad, the person's grandfather, where she accepts um, her gay a daughter. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. know that's coming. And so when it comes, it's like of course that's gonna happen. And mm-hmm. that movie is like more about the ride, more about the zany things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I respect all of that, but the the aspect that it kind of felt like a Pixar movie to me, like with the more the morality of it and everything, mm-hmm. after everyone told me this is a masterpiece, ten out of ten, I want to be contrarian. So please give me that. <laughs> so you don't feel like it was a masterpiece, ten out of ten, but maybe like a seven. Yeah, seven's pretty low for that movie. I mean, that movie is ex- extremely effective. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it's just like you know. So you think it was a ten out of ten, but just in a different way it's a 10 out of 10 but not for clay i like i just like when people sit i literally just like movies where people sit down and talk that's all i care about like fight scenes i could care less about like Mm -hmm. zany little things that make it feel like a zany commercial or whatever like Mm -hmm. i I don't care but the movie is so well made and like it's from a point of view that is just like so them that it's just like it's unavoidable and the movie's like incredible but yeah. For my I I just like movies where people talk and like mm-hmm. 
the the moral that they're trying to teach is like nothing groundbreaking and doesn't mm-hmm. I don't leave the theater thinking about like what they're trying to like get across. I think to me it's really impressive how they can do just like the silliest shit you could possibly think of but still have it be really emotionally grounded to even still have it feel grounded and feel sincere um and not have the silliness take away any of that. I yeah, it doesn't really feel like corny at all. I yeah. mean, it, it doesn't feel like forced. It feels like the performances are just like incredible. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, again, the fighting and all that is is very impressive. But I just, I could. You don't care about that I stuff. I just don't, I don't care about yeah. that stuff. You know, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, and, you know, and I desperately want to dish out hot takes and be a contrarian. So I Hell guess yeah. I get that. I get, <laughs> I get that across. Good for me. <laughs> Hey, feel your feelings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll respect all takes. Yeah. And also, just like, you know, they are they made a great movie, They're and they're very good at making them. Um, what else have yeah. I seen? I saw Lost Highway again, which mm. a David Lynch movie. Yeah. Um, okay, I also saw, um, here's another hot take, I saw Drive My Car. Okay. And, and what did you think I, about this one? Um, I love the director, and um, um, it wasn't my favorite of his. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen any of his other movies. Has he done anything? You know, Asa- cool? he made a movie called Osaka 1 and 2, which I just love. I love that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. And also, here's an, a really interesting tidbit that a lot of people don't know. He made a short film, and I know you're a, a okay. sicko for these things, uh-huh. called Heaven is Still Far Away. Okay. And um, that short film inspired The Civil Dead. Really? Yeah. Um, and not well, just... that rips. And not, just because the the short is about a person who can see someone who's dead, and okay. I already I saw the short film before I, I had the idea of that movie, and so when I had the idea for the Civil Dead, that is the one movie that it was a clear inspiration that allowed me to like I was like oh well I've already seen this short film that has a character talk to someone who's dead, and I feel like it worked really well, and I feel like that gave me permission in my head to continue with this story. So I, that you knew I, it could work. Yeah, it works. Yeah. That I feel yeah. like it works because, like, I'm not, I'm not very, I'm not really that good as a director dealing with really high-concept stuff, mm. um, so it's really scary. But, like, that movie done it in a way where it didn't feel high-concept. Not that you're not good at it. You're not confident in it I'm not yet. confident in it, okay. so... Um, that gave me, that movie gave me the confidence to yeah. do it. Cause I feel like, oh, I'm like, oh, that, it was done so well there that whatever. I think yeah. you that love rocks. short films. Yeah. So I would I'll recommend definitely watch you it. see it. Hell yeah. And, uh, so I saw Drive My Car and. and you didn't love Drive My Car. I also no, didn't love it for the record. I, it's interesting cause like it's a movie that I just, I would have liked, but it's like one mm-hmm. of those movies, like everything, everywhere, all at once. Where it has such a hysteria, hysteria behind it. Yeah. To, and you're going in and it's like, well, you don't want any movie to be like, you don't want to ha- think of any movie as like, oh my God, what you're about to see is the greatest thing of all time. Like, yeah. You want to organically come to that. I feel like everything um, everywhere at least kind of earned that because I think they're doing so much that like you've literally have never seen people do something like what they're doing. Right. Yeah. But like drive my car is like it's like a people talking movie so like i've seen i've seen that <laughs> yeah but he's done another people talking movie that is i feel like way better and not i'm not saying that like it's a way better movie but for clay tatum uh, mm-hmm. it's 
uh, more enjoyable. But I really liked uh, Drive My Car. I just yeah. didn't. I, I, I'm just not. I thought it was fine. Yeah. I can see why people like it. I didn't love it, personally. Yeah. Also, it was very long. Another very long movie. Yeah. And what have you seen that lately? Maybe what have I, I watched lately? Are you done with yours? Well, I told you I seen two movies a day. Okay, month. okay. I, so I did told see, me you gave me your month's worth. I did see <laughs> a movie at the Florida Film Festival called Resurrection, I think, but it's not out yet and um it's good. It's fine. There's nothing really to talk about, but I only bring that up just to just to say I've seen more than those two movies. Okay. okay. <laughs> You've got proof. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um I've watched a couple things lately. Um I watched the Greg Araki film Kaboom, which I had yeah. never seen, but I never love Greg Araki. Have that you seen direct- any of his films? That director's a big blind spot to me. And like oh. he he's like a director that was like, a lot of people were talking about when I first moved to LA and got into mm-hmm. filmmaking. And I was I was like, he's so zany that I'm just gonna be like I'm gonna work my way up to him and I just never got mm. to it. I think zany movies are very um are very hard for me sometimes. I think he has one or two movies that are like way over the top zany, but I think what's beautiful about his movies is the queer aspect of it. So I don't know, like, because I am queer, so I don't know um, as a straight person what your interaction with the film would be. But to me, like, it's some of the queerest shit I've ever seen. It's some of the truest queer stuff I've ever seen if that like makes sense like it feels even though he's been making movies like since the 80s to me it feels more like honestly representative of like the queer people and the community that I know and experience now yeah it's like when a uh, when someone makes like a punk movie and like people in that culture can like can gain something from it Mm -hmm. more when they recognize that it's like it's saying something about the thing that people who are not a part of that can't say. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, like, yeah, so you're going to have a total different experience um, yeah. with it. Even though I can, I'm sure I would not acknowledge it as good, too. But it's like, for you, it's like an elevated It's experience. more personal. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't. I don't know how a straight person would interact with his films. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to me, even when, like, the movie's kind of psycho and, like, maybe the acting is weird or something like they're so fun and they're so like comforting and they're so impressive. It it makes me like when people try and say, try and make, you know, quote unquote queer films now. (laughs) um, And they're just like not anywhere close to what Greg Araki has been doing for 40 years. Like I'm less impressed by people like, I don't know, casting straight people as queer or like oh, yeah not- classic. <laughs> classic classic yeah i think john early Faking had a <laughs> i think john early had a um had a joke about um why every straight filmmaker wants to like make a movie that's inspired by the 70s so much mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's so interesting because like you kind of like when you first start getting into film you realize the people that kind of innovate the most are uh queer like um like my first experience with that kind of when i got into film was my own private idaho which mm-hmm. is a movie that is so inventive and it, it is about like you know like queer and like uh i think it more specifically about like uh the queer scene or whatever or street kids Mm -hmm. Uh, but you start picking up that there's like these directors that are like innovating more than other directors Mm -hmm. and they're just like more creative and like there's a lot of things done in like my own private idaho that is like 
so innovative not innovative because i don't know if it's been replicated but like so interesting that because uh, you can see like a million movies where they're trying to like they're clearly inspired by Martin Scorsese. They're just trying to like yeah. do that over and over again. Or like mm-hmm. with me, I'm just trying to make a Robert Altman movie over and over again. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And but like with like my own private Idaho, there's so many interesting things in that movie that are like I don't know. They're just more creative. Yeah. And um, I think with um, Greg, what's his name again? Um, Iraqi. Um, his are just like way way more and they're like so unapologetic and like punk rock and like fuck you we're queer i I just think there's nothing like his movies really and even my own private idaho like while i agree there are a lot of things that are really like inventive and innovative about that film i still found it to be first of all it's like two straight guys playing gay classic but they (laughs) and that's how you win the award but they also like they kind of dance around their queerness in that film and they're they're not as explicit about it. And Gregoraki has films that came out at the same time that are just way more, way more. I don't know. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. With My Own Private Idaho, I definitely see the critique of, like, mm-hmm. the queer experience. And with me, it's just like, wow, these magazine covers come to life. And I'm like, isn't that wacky? <laughs> you know, that's, like, my experience yeah. with it, too. But it's definitely, like, it's not it to is... discount the, fil- the filmmaking merits that it does have. because they But it does, like, there. discount yeah. the, like, you know, I don't know. It's like a punk movie where they only talk about sex. Or, like, you know, when they make a punk movie, like, Green Room, and everyone's wearing a Dead Kennedys t-shirt. Yeah. It's like, that's not what punk shows are. They don't have... Yeah. They're not all wearing a minor threat t-shirt. It's like they're yeah. all, that's not what, so like, it's like, yeah. There's a lot more color and variety than, you It's know, still a good movie, but it's out, not reflective of the subculture that everyone thinks it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Gregoraki just hits the spot for me. And um, Kaboom is kind of like a silly movie. It's kind of like silly horror, but it's camp and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of like his like go-to movie, right? Or is like, is that the... Kaboom is the, the one that I keep on, is the first one I think of. I would say Mysterious Skin is his biggest movie. Oh, yeah, um, he did that. Yeah, yeah. That's he a- did that, but that one's based off of a book, so he didn't write that one. Um, so it's it's not exactly similar to any of his other work, but it is also yeah. like a really incredible movie. But if you want to get like a flavor for what is Gregoraki like style, I think Mysterious Skin is not going to be it, but that is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, Kaboom I don't is know if like. That says anything. I think I Kaboom think I think one of his more recent. Maybe that's why you hear about it more. No, no I think I hear about it more because it, it was a, a time where I first moved to L.A. Whenever mm. like movies come out, right when I first moved to L.A. and got into film, those are the ones that stick with me because those were when I was like the most invested. Yeah. In finding and finding out. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a bunch of movies that are big. Doom Generations, another one that people know a lot. Nowhere is one that I see get brought up probably the most but that is probably the weirdest one oh and the doom generation and smiley face whitney my wife loves smiley face smiley face is uh one of the very few that i have not seen yet it's very zany it feels like from the scenes that i've seen when um whitney's watching it it feels like a scary movie yeah movie like it's it feels like um very very comedy heavy Okay, and zany, but it's like it's it's out there. I I've never seen it. I've only like walked in. Yeah, on I'm definitely gonna watch, watch it one of these days. I want to finish his filmography. So there's only like two or three that I haven't seen. But anyway, I love Gregoraki. 
and I have a couple other things on my list. <laughs> is he um, part of a wave? Is he like wait? Is yeah, this like um, new queer cinema. And who's uh, part? Who's movie. part of that? That would be like, uh, but I'm a cheerleader. That movie. Um, that would movie. be um, Todd Haynes. Who's he's way less zany. Way less zany. Yeah, but he still has like so like his narratives are a little more straightforward most of the time, but he still uses like big colors and like um, has really fleshed out queer characters um, more so than a lot of the stuff that you were seeing um, at those times. Yeah. Those are probably like the biggest ones part of new queer cinema movement, but Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, you can Google lists of films in those. (laughs) Oh, I'll be, yeah, there's a, there's a Wikipedia somewhere that can, yeah, um, and but I'm a cheerleader. Absolutely holds up. Love that film. That yeah, was a, that was a queer awakening for me. <laughs> so that's a very yeah, explicit movie. That's they they're not they're not dancing uh, around anything. They're not dancing yeah. around anything, which is like, and it's so that's, well made. That's part of what the movement is: is just being like absolutely in your face queer, not dancing, tiptoeing around any bit of queerness, and also just like the use of color and like that sort of almost surrealist extent of color and like crazy sets and stuff uh it's all part of that all right i got like three other things on my list go for it uh pitch black with vin diesel tone shift (laughs) never Um, i don't even know what that is from the year 2000 uh it takes place on an alien planet and he has like superpowers where he can see in the dark it's based off of a comic book series i think um it's part of the chronicles of riddick series Oh, uh, it's no. the first movie. It's the first movie in the series. Um, but Vin Diesel has some really sick goggles. He looks badass as hell, and it's very funny. Recommend Pitch Black. <laughs> That's great. Um, I'm just not sound like a Clay Dano movie, but <laughs> do you hate Vin Diesel? <laughs> I just hate any action. Honestly, anything you hate where action. like okay. I just I'm not a fan. You just want talking. That's really all I want. I mean, you might as well just make a podcast for me. That's all really <laughs> all I really hell care yeah. about. Uh, all right, I got two more. I watched this movie called Mother Schmuckers, um, which is a French film. It's newer. I don't know exactly what year, but um, it's done by maybe brothers, um, Lenny and Harpo Guit. I don't know how you say their name. Uh, anyway, it's 70 minutes of absolute chaos. It's very funny. Um, it's like one of those films, I call them disaster movies, but I don't know what normal people call them, uh, where just like every time you turn the corner, like something else heightens whatever's happening. It's like another crazy scenario they've gotten themselves into and then they run away and it's another crazier scenario forever and ever for the whole what is this called mother schmuckers yeah it's really short and i think it's really fun and i think it's really funny too you i love a short movie oh yeah i live for this stuff (laughs) i mean i i don't know it's gotta be longer than a short film again but um, i mean i watch a a lot of features too (laughs) oh i Another thing, uh, one other co- type of movies that I want to bring up that I've been watching lately is okay. um, the guy, I forgot his name, Quentin something. He plays in a... He's, the Pia. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. in Mr. Wazo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really liking... his When his movies first mm-hmm. came out, I did I not like him at all. I have seen his entire filmography. I didn't really like Rubber or whatever. Uh-huh. And, then, and I was just like, this guy's too zany for me. What is this, a Skittles mm. commercial? Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently I saw Deerskin, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And then I, then this movie after that I really responded to. And I think this might be a Mandibles? director. Yeah, I really like mm-hmm. Mandibles. And I think this might be a director I might 
start enjoying more of. Yeah, I love Quentin Dupieux. I've seen all his movies. What's my favorite? I made a ranked list, but I don't remember. Oh, Wrong. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I've never um, seen Wrong. I I've... love Wrong. It's on YouTube for free. I think that one's so fun. I love Keep an Eye Out. Uh, I hated Wrong Cops. Yeah, no, no. Wrong Cops is kind of the first, my first, besides Rubber. It was Rubber and Wrong Cops. And I'm like, I don't think this director's for me. I don't think I, I, hated I don't wrong like cops. this guy. I don't remember Rubber because I've only watched it when it came out and I never watched it again. So I don't remember it as much. Um, But all the rest of his filmography, I went through right before Mandibles came out last year. So I have seen everything else pretty recently. Yeah, Wrong was my favorite. And I felt like I was always chasing Wrong because I think it's so crazy and fun. I need to see Wrong. Yeah. I really like Deer Skin. I like Keep an Eye Out. Those are great. People don't really like Keep an Eye Out, do they? I don't know. I don't hear people talk about it, but... I don't have a lot of people to talk about deep cut yeah. Quentin Dupieux films with either. So, <laughs> and he, my man has two movies out uh, coming out. Yeah, they're doing cans right now. I think. Yeah. Fucking crazy! I'm so excited. He even um, I had somebody translate one of his short films that I could only find in French. I had somebody on Reddit translate it to English for me so that I could watch it and complete his filmography. Is how. Oh, that's up great! Sick in the damn head I am. Uh, was it good? That, it was a short film. Um, it's kind of like a uh, anti-film, so it's like pretty absurd and kind of. Uh, it's kind of like fuck you for watching this. <laughs> okay, how early in his career did he make it? Very early, some oh, of the okay. earliest. So right. it's like two thousand, like the year two thousand or something. Okay. Um, it's interesting for me to see still. I'm always interested in like process and growth too. So like even watching a filmmaker's stuff that is kind of bad, if I like some of their later stuff, I think it's still interesting to watch the bad stuff too. To see yeah. what they what they pick out and what they grow from and you know. Yeah, I need to revisit his earlier movies. But yeah, I'm very excited for his new stuff. And I also like his music a lot. I haven't listened to much of his music, but I have heard a little bit. And it seems to bop. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. All right, I just had one other one other thing on my list, <laughs> um, which was Joey Izzo's new short. Of course, you've never been completely honest. Was crazy, fucked up. You've seen? Oh yeah, I've seen, seen it. Multiple, yeah, yeah. He's it's. I saw. I saw it on the big screen, and I've yeah. seen it. You went to that showing uh, at a Brain Dead Frank, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Joey's a pal, and I love it. And he, it's really good. I also I'm a big fan of all of his other shorts too. I think. Yeah, he, I've seen a whole bunch of them. I don't know if I've seen all of them, but I've definitely seen several (laughs) he's very good at him he does a great job and he did a great job with this one and it's fucked up and twisted and it made me a little sick in the head so now i'm twisted moving forward so thanks joey for that (laughs) and that's my shit that i've watched There, we have a movie called The Civil Dead. If you're in Calgary, it's playing at the Calgary Underground Film Festival next week. Uh, of course, it's not coming out today, so it's it's <laughs> out whenever. And um, American Arts and Culture Review podcast, we do it every now and again. And that's about it. And my cat's on my computer. Oh, no. Okay, I'm going to go feed my cat. <laughs> okay, my, well, his, thanks I again. gave him a little snack, but now I'm going to give him his real meal. But thanks for having me. Thanks again and, for uh, coming on and going course. along. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's great All talking right. cinema with some pals. Hell yeah. Great yeah. chatting. And uh, we'll see everybody else next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry, my cat is viciously attacking me. Here, I love it. He <laughs> heard my comments on Woody Allen earlier, and he wants to get revenge. Hell yeah. <laughs> Go off, King. <laughs> <laughs> Go off, King, and I can't blame you. Uh-uh. <laughs> you deserve that. <laughs>